Well, hello there. My name is HW, and thank you so much for watching uh, or listening to the Tone Junkie podcast. This is the first Tone Junkie podcast, episode 2.0. We've been talking about it, but it's really episode... Gosh, I don't even know what episode it is, but I'm going to look it up right now. But before I do, how about a little housekeeping? The new Tone Junkie podcast, we're getting official. Really? We have like sponsors now. No. Not no. paying sponsors, oh, but okay. sponsors. <laughs> but totally sponsors. And um, the new uh, the new Tone Junkie podcast is brought to you by the uh, the Tone Junkie Loaded Kemper, available exclusively at British Audio. And that's not the only loaded Kemper you can get at British Audio. I hear they have another one. I heard they have another one, too. <laughs> and uh, that other voice you hear uh, is, of course, the famous, the Coca-Cola of the Kemper, the king of the Kemper, <laughs> Knighted by the Queen himself, uh, it is uh, it is Sir Michael of Brit. Well, thank you very much. You uh, thank you so definitely much. Definitely not a king of anything, <laughs> uh, but I appreciate it. I don't know, king of uh, king of twang, maybe king uh, of uh, no, There's probably way not that title. Than me too. Well, you're the king of something. Um, I have heard your. It's episode thirty-eight, by the way, in case anyone's really keeping oh, 38. track. Thirty-eight. I was hoping to get to a round number so like fifty could start, yeah. but. Um, it takes a long time to put up this beautiful wallpaper. It is very green. It is. Are they going to be able to see this as well? Or is they, it... Yeah, yeah. That, okay. So the, on the video version, they'll gotcha. see it. The audio version, um, you know. You just have to imagine this beautiful green wallpaper. It's it's really something. I'll put it on Instagram and Facebook. People <laughs> can see it. Um, I would like some pants like that. It took my wife and her friend a good 90 minutes. Oh, that long? Which is impressive. And if you hear that rumbling upstairs, um, it's, it's just the... <laughs> just the cleaning lady <laughs> and we um you know the production value is so high here um that we you know uh, this is just the kind of thing that happens it's also probably a little echoey in the room but um uh it's it is what it is and um we've asked the studio audience to be very quiet wait sorry I, oh I've, I've screwed this up oh this doesn't work okay this is really we've asked the studio audience michael to be very quiet all right yeah that was like a charm. <laughs> <laughs> and silence the bottom. <laughs> um, That's funny. You know, I have heard your uh, signal chain described as sort of the golden signal chain, the, the, the perfect signal chain. Yeah, and it's a big crock of. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've. There is no golden signal chain. I, well, I, really? Yeah. Well, so how have you done it? My very first profiles were done on a Mackie mixer, a 1202 Mackie mixer. <laughs> no outboard preamps. <laughs> Literally, if that's the magic signal. Nothing and I still fancy. go back to some of those earliest ones when I was just using a Mackie. Right. And then I, as I as I got you know more into it and did more profiles, I, I would borrow and steal, beg, whatever. I'd got Chandler, mm-hmm. API, all these mm-hmm. nice preamps and done all this. And then... Uh, I'll be darned if I didn't just go back to the old Mackie mixer every now and then and just to check. And I don't think it matters that right. much. I mean, if I'm doing studio stuff for an album, I'll just send my Kemper to the engineer and he can run it through a Chandler API, whatever he wants to run it through. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't feel like I have to bake it in. So that's a really interesting point is that by not baking in uh, preamps and stuff, you're you're really giving the ability to the engineer to not double pre something. Exactly. And, you know, and I'm a live player mostly. You know, I do more live shows than I do recordings. Mm-hmm. But um, 
I don't use any of those fancy preamps live. I mean, granted, the right. the desk that we have is a you know Digit Design Avid Venue console. It's got some nice pre's, but right. it's not an API or you know you know it's, we don't use anything like that. Of course, and it sounds fine coming out of the PA. Yeah. So I see how if you're only doing studio recording and you want to bake it in and all that, I'm not opposed to that. Sure. It's just for for what I do and and in my experience, the less stuff you're sending those Kemper noises through, the more accurate it's going to be in recreating the amp. Yeah, accuracy is an interesting concept, I think, with the Kemper, because we seem to be, we're kind of in the group, the guitar players that are, maybe we're overly concerned with accuracy, you know what I mean? Right. And like, you know, have you you ever heard, I always tell people like, you know, you never heard Jimi Hendrix's amp, (laughs) unless you stood in the room, right? Right. You always heard it through... A preamp Ton through mics, through st- through a tape machine, through EQ, through a garden hose. You yeah. never know what they were. I mean, there was doing true. a lot of drugs back then. Yeah, <laughs> there's no telling what they did to the guitar chain. They were passing all sorts of stuff through garden hoses, yeah. guitar tone included. Yeah, and it's a weird thing that we as guitar players kind of latch onto, like this idea of authenticity and stuff. But really, it's like, well, is the sound of a 1964 Fender Twin the perfect sound for your record? I don't know. Probably not, though, right? Probably not. There's probably no. too much bass. There's oh, probably yeah. like an engineer is never. When when is an engineer not gonna? It's like a surgeon with a scalpel, right? right? It, it, and it, and I throw accuracy out the window as far yeah. as I'd rather, you know, make the mistake of what sounds good to me, and that's why I use the mm-hmm. same third power cab on mm-hmm. most everything. Just because yeah. you dig the speaker, I like that sound. Yeah. I like the sound of that cab and that speaker, and yeah. and I can try other stuff, and I always think, eh, I don't like it as much, yeah. and. At the end of the day, I my goal is to make sounds that I like because mm-hmm. the ones I really end up liking are the, seem to be the ones that do better for other people. It's like making a record. You know, if you make a record that you love and you're in love with, that's more likely going to hit other people right. than if you try to make what they want. Right. Yeah, and people probably don't buy records. How many Lone Star <clears throat> records do you think have been sold because of your guitar tone? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> I mean, right, right. I mean, it's, it, you know, people enjoy music for the songs and for Absolutely. the, for, you know, and things should serve the song. Um, but I would agree with you. And say, now, I've used preamps on all the Tone Junkie stuff. I'm trying to think of anything I haven't, but I've bounced around a lot. And one of the things I, I realized was I don't make a fuss of what preamps I'm using. And sometimes people will tell me, because I'll say, uh, oh, yeah, I use APIs or you these Neve clones. Everything's an API or an Neve clone anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's other stuff. But, People will be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can hear it. I can hear it on stuff, right. you know? And I'm like, you can't. You cannot hear right. if I did this Marshall <laughs> Plexi with a Neve clone or with an API. Now, those two pre's sound very different when they're right next to each other in the studio. Right. But isn't it weird that we use the, like, we we go after transparency in overdrives. We go after these things. Like, these are buzzwords for guitar players. But preamps are designed for their color. Exactly. We like the color. Right. You don't want, no one's, who, does anyone sell the world's most transparent mic pre for Mackie. guitar recording? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. They, they pride themselves on having the most transparent mic pre's. Yeah. High headroom, <laughs> ultra transparent. I believe it. Yeah. 
I believe it. Now, this the speaker thing. You and I have talked about this. You're not a huge. Uh, I'm I'm a big Greenback fan. Yeah. You're not a big big Greenback guy. Not a huge. No. Greenback. To me, every amp that I run through a Greenback sounds like a Greenback. And <laughs> and and it's all my personal experience. It's the same reason I hate Fender Twins. I hate Marshall Four Twelve cabinets. Mm-hmm. Now, if mm-hmm. I'm in a room with it, it's fine. But trying to mic those things is just a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. And um, I like what I like, and and call that getting old. I've got a lot of gray hair. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Over the years, I've just figured out what I like and what I don't like. Right, right. And I think everybody does that. You know, if you've been playing, I mean, we've been on the road for 26 years, you know, micing guitar cabinets every night, and and I've had struggles where I just don't feel like I'm getting a good tone and all that. So I just try to eliminate bad variables and Mm kind of go with what works, and that's... And everything builds on that. How did you first discover the Kemper? Were you in that first crop guys at the first NAM that had that first meeting? No, I was not in that crop, but I was right after. I was mm-hmm. I was doing a an odd job for Line 6, mm-hmm. and I was what they called a product specialist. And my job was to go around to Guitar Centers and Sam Ash. That was my only two gigs. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they couldn't... What were you doing, the Pod 2 or something? No, no, this was... well. This was right yeah, when they were coming out with their um, their M20 mixer and their, their L2 speakers and all their okay, PA okay. stuff. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, I had a buddy that worked that was part of this team, and he said, hey, you might be good for this because they don't need a lot of hours. They just need – they only have two stores for me to mm-hmm. do at the time. And I thought, well, I can do that, you know, 10, 20, you know, 10, 15 hours a week. Sure. I can do it. Plus, yeah. just give me something to do. Yeah. And so my job was to go around to, and explain how – the products work to sales guys that were maybe 18 years old and didn't weren't familiar guitar center employees were because because line six stuff is technology based and if you don't know how to get around to show the customers how to work it then you can't sell it that was the goal and then right after i got the gig uh they switched over from guitar centered stuff to all this pa stuff and it never took off but so suddenly i'm a pa salesman at a guitar center which wasn't really what i'd signed on to do Mm -hmm. um during that time, though, uh, since they knew who I was and knew I had connections or whatever, and they knew I had all this demo gear, uh, they they said, hey, would you mind running a Variax guitar and something else? I forget. Because um, they just came out with those James Tyler Variaxes. Yeah, I remember just those. Yeah, out. yeah. And, that was one, and so I had a demo model of that. Can you run out to Wolf Hoffman's house from the band Accept, the heavy mm-hmm, metal band? Mm-hmm. Andy Sneap is in they're producing a record. And they want to try to use it for something on the record. So I said, yeah, I'll run it over there. Never met Wolf, you know, yeah. super nice guy. So I go to Mount Juliet. For some reason, the guitar player for the German metal band except lives in Mount Juliet. <laughs> well, because everybody lives just outside of Nashville, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. But it's so weird, you know, and he's he's got this, this is totally apropos of nothing, but he has this huge uh, standard poodle. Cutest dog ever. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. I thought you were going to say like a 412 cab or no, something. No, no. So, <laughs> it's, it's a poodle. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting metal, you know, like Those guys are rock and roll, right? They're always softies. No, yeah. sir, I'm, I'm expecting rock and roll. And I go to the door and there's this sweet little huge mongus poodle dog. And he's just like padding around the house, following me around. And so Wolf takes me down to the basement. I meet Andy Sneap, who at the time I didn't know his, you know, I didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. I grew up playing rock and country and stuff and didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. So. Met him, super nice guy. They were show, they were showing me what they were doing and and stuff. And he said, "Have you seen this piece of gear?" Andy did, and he showed me the Kemper, and I just thought it looked like a really fancy spaceship toaster. Right. And he said, "What we?" I said, "What is it?" And he explained it all, and he said, "Here's a track of Wolf's Marshall, and here's a track of the Kemper." And he soloed up each one. I was like, "I can't tell the difference." Right. 
And so my brain just started spinning because I was like, I'd just gotten, I'd worked with uh, Jamie, then Jamie at Third Power for mm-hmm. years working on this one app, this Third Power app that I loved. And I thought, man, if I could recreate that in this little box, I could um, take that on the road for fly dates. I wouldn't have to be stuck with bad, beat up Hot Rod DeVille's. Right. So that was what I thought when I was driving away from there. I was like, I need to check that out. So then I got online and started doing all the, the typical typical online research and everything. Mm-hmm. And I ended up probably ended up buying it like two weeks later, found one used somewhere and got it. And then we we're on the road. I did my first profiling backstage in this, uh, backstage room in Iowa somewhere, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, and that amp? was my first, what amp? Is it was it? that third power. I mean, yeah, yeah. That, my whole goal was just to try to get that. Just that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I profiled it and then tried just running my pedal board into are the Are those, camper. are those what's in pack one? Some of them are, yeah. yeah, yeah, one, yeah. I think one of the blackface cleans might mm-hmm. be from that first thing. Yeah, that first session. And yeah. at the time, there was no rig manager, editor. Right, right. So I didn't even know about all the amp tags and everything. So I still look at pack one. The tags were all wrong because I didn't know how to edit them at <laughs> the time. They bring because they bring them in. A lot of people don't know because I've put out wrong tags before. But it imports the tags and the effects from whatever profile you were on in browse mode or right. in profile mode, right. maybe in perform performance mode. Well, and whatever it has pulled up, yeah. when you jump over, yeah. it's always the, the the Kemper always has a has a a profile loaded, yeah. which is even when you're updating or doing stuff. There's well, always the manual, a sound in the manual. It said find a sound in the Kemper close to what you're gain wise, close to what you're going to be profiling. Mm. So I'd use this whatever it had a Clapton. It was the Clapton Fender twin or whatever. So there's still some tags from the Clapton Fender twin <laughs> in my first pack because they were hidden, you know, in rig tags, which mm-hmm. I never went into. Yeah. Uh, but now that it's on Rig Manager, I can see how dumb I was back then. Yeah. I, yeah. Those those rig tags are really a pain. I'll tell you, there's so many. <clears throat> there are so many things they could do to make profilers' lives easier with the Kemper. <laughs> I know it's not a big market. There's you right. know there's eight or eight of us or something, there's you know, a bunch, <laughs> there's a bunch, but, yeah. but you know, um, uh, there aren't that many people that have pressed the button profile yeah. as, as many times as you or me. And, um, there are certain things that just like the keyboard is set up for a European keyboard. Do you ever use a, a keyboard on the back? Um, I have, but it's just a windows keyboard. It won't work with Mac, but it'll work. With right. Windows right. Keyboard. But the keyboard, the S and the, or the, the V, the Y and the X are switched. I have not noticed. There's that. no way to, apparently you're not, a you're not using any Y's I don't use or it something. very often. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Cause it's, you know, it's a European keyboard. Well, now so. that I do, I'll do it on rig manager after the fact now. So yeah, I'll take yeah, notes yeah. and I'm one of these guys. I've got steno yeah. books of all my profiling sessions. I've seen pictures of you with the notebook. And I've tried to do it on a computer and it just, it slows me down. So I can do it so much faster just yeah. writing it. I know what you mean. I my problem is I end up forgetting if I don't do the. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've and I've even put packs out, and for the first couple hours, there's no tags in there, yeah. or or they're tags from a completely different <laughs> amp. You know? Yeah. It's um, it's a Fender Deluxe, and it says, you know, Benson something. Well, there's some on the. There's a, one or two profiles in my first pack. Honestly, I don't know what amp it is. It's <laughs> it's either my third power on the Plexi side, or it's my Fender or my '72 Marshall. But the tags are so ambiguous, and I don't have notes going back that far. You didn't that, even put the uh, the name in. Well, it says it says both in it. It says <laughs> Marshall Third Power. I'm like, I don't know. I don't really don't know which one it is. Um, if it works. It works. I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah, if it works, it works. So that's how you started. Uh, that's how you got bit by the Kemper bug. It is, and so the whole point was to do fly dates with it. 
and then um, I started doing more profiling. I started doing it at home after that first weekend. I did some on the road. Then I yeah. went to my house and took over the living room and dining room and just, I mean, I had cords running from the dining room to the living room. All my couch cushions were up covering the speaker because I lived in a pretty tight neighborhood where, mm-hmm. the, you know, it was blasting. And so, and then my buddies started bringing over their amps. And so my whole first pack was just my, my buddy's amps that mm-hmm. they brought over. Yeah. And some of those amps, some of those profiles from that very first month, I still use to this day. One of them in particular, I've been on lately like crazy. You were saying, was it uh, that LDW? The guitar, yeah, the guitar player for Phil Vassar's band, was it? Yeah. Or? So yeah. this is a good story. Jeff, uh, Jeff Rowe, Jeff J Dog. Anyway, he's um, we've done shows with them over the years for so many times, you know, so many times. But so I've known Jeff uh, from Phil's band, mm-hmm. and then we got to do a Christmas tour with him this December. Mm-hmm. I saw and, you guys doing Carol of the Bells. Yeah, that was on fun. YouTube. That was a lot it's of epic. fun. Um, got to do a Soldano, just ginger, ginger. ginger. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we go into rehearsals and both of our Kemper rigs are side by side and mm-hmm. he's starting to play and I'm starting to play and you know, it's my normal sounds that I'm used to and I'll be damned if his didn't sound better than mine. <laughs> and I'm like, this is not cool. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I know he's using profiles that I made because right. I gave them to him, you know, years ago. I mean, he probably never stopped, went past pack one. I mean, I literally gave right, him right. pack one and that yeah. was probably it. And all he did being the great guitar player, but it doesn't really, He's not just a techno nerd like I am. I he just scrolled through, found one he liked, and has gone it's with a it. Sound forever. And I'll be damned if it's not a darn good one. So he uses a couple of pedals for gain in front of it. So it's his clean and his mid and all that. And then he's got one Bogner from for high gain stuff. And um, so I started just well, I'm gonna copy. Well, not copy. I had that profile still on my rig, and so I just started throwing on my performances, and everything I threw it on sounded better. So it's mm-hmm. just weird that. This late in the game, after all these profiles, I'm still using one of my earliest ones, one that I kind of overlooked for years, and I learn something new every day. Isn't it funny how you can go back and revisit like a profile like that, and mm-hmm. it's and it's great. I think it's somehow in the way, you know, in that case, maybe it takes someone else to notice right. how great it is and what it's really great for. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever he's playing, what was he playing through guitar-wise? He had a Tom Anderson Super Strat thing. HSS. Right. So not far away from what you're Yeah, exactly. But no, it's funny. It's funny. I'm always taken aback by uh, two things. One, how people don't seem to realize that their gear totally is going to affect the way the Kemper sounds. Like if you play a different guitar, if you play a Tele and I'm playing a Les Paul on the demo, it's not going to sound like that. Right. And then, and then two, how sometimes I make a profile or an amp that I'm not that crazy about. Like, I'm like, this is a cool amp, but it's not going to be my main amp. And then it gets out there, and people are like, "This is life changing." You know what I mean? I'm like, "Wow!" Well, like, what are you playing? But they're just playing other stuff. You right. know what I mean? Other things, and it it fits for whatever that is. Right. It's really some things I think take on a um, a life of their own. You know, when I first got the Kemper, I'll tell you this story how I first got the Kemper. I um I moved to uh, to Nashville, and I thought, "What am I going to see everywhere? I'm going to see Tellys and." Um, maybe some boxes, but old fenders and stuff. And if you go anywhere, if you go down Broadway and stuff, right. you will still see a guy's gigging vintage Princetons and Deluxes. Right. Because you turn them up, you get that sound. They're small, they're portable, and they're they're relatively affordable. I mean, you can get a... Twins are super expensive, but a Deluxe, you can get for three or under, you know? Mm-hmm. And if it's beat up, even better. You're, you're a player and you use it. But... I couldn't believe that when I got here, the two most popular amps I saw were, no joke, Kempers 
and Hot Rod Deluxes. Now, Hot Rod Deluxes makes sense. Right. Because they're cheap. They're everywhere. Uh, you can break them and replace them. They're Take, usually, it's a backline amp or a house amp or whatever. Right. I expected that. I mean, I wasn't surprised at that. But I saw Kempers all over the place. Really? In people's studios and everything. You know, I've talked to Christoph and them, and they say outside of Europe, uh, they didn't tell me which cities, but they said the big ones, UK, Germany, Nashville. That's funny. Mm-hmm. They said of everywhere in the States, more of them go. Well, there's here. so many studios in Nashville too, and it is such a great studio tool yeah. that you're kind of missing the boat if you don't have one, because just because it covers so much stuff. It, it can cover literally everything. Oh, I know. I mean, it's a, I always joke that like, you know, if it can, like, it with all the packs out there, with everything I've released, everything you've released, it's a library. It is of tone. I've considered calling the everything pack, uh, the everything pack tone junkie. No, it's good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've considered like like rebranding it something like the library card or something. Oh yeah, That's you know a- what I mean? Because it's like, and I've had so many people tell me lately. I've noticed it's the producers who email and tell me like, "Wow, this changed my workflow." And a lot of times now that I've been in town for a while, it's not. So much people emailing me who I don't know. It's people who I do know who know that I make profiles. And then they start going, like, I've got two buddies who are like, this is incredible. Bands come into town. I record the bands. I work on their records. And they're like, I now have to spend time selling them that the Kemper is awesome. Because I want to use the Kemper, not whatever they brought. And and by the end, they're like, wow, I got to get a Kemper. Yeah. Because it's changed their production workflow where they're not messing around wasting all this time you know what i mean absolutely They're, i mean it's it's uh, incredible i even see people doing neve just neve preamp profiles to run acoustics through and stuff you did some acoustic ones didn't you yeah but like just like acoustic preamp pedals and things i've got a few that i even haven't released yet but yeah there there's honestly there's an avalon off the rig or whatever rig exchange yeah, yeah rig exchange. um i got a clean avalon preamp years ago and it, that's what i use yeah. half the time now still and then I've did, I literally had one of those ADA tube pre boxes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're fifty dollars used. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. I profiled that, and that's my other acoustic one that yeah. I use, just because it's basic. I've got all the EQ, yeah. compression, reverb. Yeah, absolutely. I've, you know, it's just a nice warm direct signal. Yeah. So I, I, back to my story here. I discovered the Kemper because a guy brought a Kemper over to my house, like the Suze, who's on the channel with the beard mm-hmm. and everything. The Suze brought a Kemper over and told me. Um, yeah, I know a guy who did one of the first profiles that's like already, that comes on the Kemper. And I was like, eh, digital. <laughs> and I, legit, he, he, he told me that later, like that he had brought it up and I didn't even remember him bringing it up, but I, I believe him. I trust him that he brought it up, mm-hmm. but I couldn't even hear him. And then I show up, uh, at my church. I'm playing for the first time with his church on a Sunday morning. I show up. And I bring in my 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 Sir Bella, and I bring in my Sir Strat, my Strifecta, the three Strymans, yeah. you know, the whole thing, right? I've got gear, the price of a car. Right. And uh, the other guy who I'm going to play with that day, he starts playing. And I thought they started the stems. I thought the drummer had turned the stems on, and I was listening to like an intro, because he was playing this really ambient, washed out kind of thing, mm-hmm. swelling and stuff. And um, I went, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. And my guitar sounded like an SM57. You know what I mean? Right. It sounded like it always did. Because that's what they do on guitar amps. Exactly. They throw a 57. Everywhere you show up, there's a 57. Unless... <clears throat> and usually it's not positioned very properly. No, no. <laughs> it's it's thrown on in, in three seconds. 
And if you don't have a tech and stuff, if you're playing a Friday night or Sunday morning, whatever, and there's not um, someone on the road with you doing the same setup, you know, then they it's up to you to place a thing. And you can't list it. You've got to run over there and do it and then run back and have to answer in another room and have booth. Oh, yeah. and what. It's, it's impossible, you know what I mean, to get like a consistent thing. I heard that and I went, oh my gosh, that's a Kemper. How does that sound so good? So I ran home. I didn't even stay for church that day. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, <laughs> so I go home and I called my buddy and I was like, I got it. What it, bring your Kemper over here. We tried it and um, yeah, it turns out he had uh, uh, like the chieftain we profiled is the same 96 chieftain that's in the no the way. stock Kemper ones. And they did it when they came to Nashville for the very first name yeah. before they had a little party, got people together yeah. and just asked people at that amps to profile. And and this guy, Mark, had a he lived next door to the guy's house they were at and they had a he had a chieftain brought over and they did it. I mean those those profiles uh, I don't know. They, I think at the time the Kemper they thought it was we'll just throw a 57 into the Kemper straight. You know what I mean? Right. Like there wasn't double mics. No right. one's really doing that sort of thing, but life changer. Oh yeah. Tone changer. Like sold the moment you hear it. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like you're like what you were saying about, uh, well, just about Wolf's amp and yeah. the profiles. I mean, you can't, if, if you're listening to a mic'd amp, I don't think you can really tell the difference. And I was always really particular about what I would take mm-hmm. on the road and, I had my own mics, you know, I wouldn't trust house mics anywhere. Yeah. I had my own mics, I had my own stands, I had baffles everywhere, and I had my cabinets marked so that every day they would almost be in the same place, but there's no way to make yeah. it perfect. Yeah. And so I was really particular, especially once everybody started moving to in-ear monitors. I think that was you the biggest really hear, yeah. thing, because, yeah, you're really hearing it right up against your yeah. eardrum. Now and you're a, you're minor a, changes really make a huge difference. Yeah. No, you're a junkie. I mean, we were just talking about like you're changing the magnets in your pickups. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, <laughs> you're at that level. Right? I'm a bit, <laughs> what level is that? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's level it's, 44. Yeah. It's somewhere around that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, that's not just uh, buy some more overdrive <laughs> or something. That's like, yeah. let me, I really think A4s would do better. In oh, I've, magnets. I've, I'm an, I swap diodes and pedals. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm just anything I can do to get that extra 2%. And, and maybe it's just all in my head, but it gives me something to do. And yeah. Keeps my wife busy. When are we going to get the? <laughs> when are we going to? When are we going to get the signature Embrit uh, uh, custom governor? Oh, I don't know. I've got oh. a I've got a box of boards. I, I know. Make some, I know. You, you told know. me one time, and I thought. Anyway, well, yeah. now there'll Later. be a bunch. Now there'll be a bunch of comments. Wait, wait, what? 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 The governor? What is it? Do you ever governor? see any of my pro- profiles that say red anywhere in the tags? Mm-hmm. That's my red pedal. That it was a happy accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, a buddy of mine owns Rocket Pedals. Yep. One of the owners of Rocket Pedals, and uh, he used to have a side thing that they did where they sold kits and we were over to his house one day and he goes hey are you interested in building all this are you building a pedal and i said sure you know and so he hands me this box full of parts and boards and stuff and you know a little map of what to put where it's kind of like paint by number yeah, yeah, yeah and so i thought well at the very least this will be a fun project for my teenage young teenage son sure because he's into nerdy stuff you know he's yeah. a really smart kid so he helped me build it and put it through you know i he Populated the board. I soldered it, put it all together, and I'll be darned if it didn't sound just awesome. I was like, "That's a really good game pedal." So I built another one. It didn't sound as good. So then I had to sit there and figure out <laughs> what did you do? What did we do wrong? And and there were just a couple caps in different spots, and so I just copied the first one, and now I, 
I've, I've probably made six of them, and Tom Anderson's got one. Uh, Spanky that plays with Colt Ford's got one. Mm-hmm. Steve Mandel from Six Wires got one. Uh, my buddy Chris has one. I mean, there's probably six or eight floating around, but I still love that pedal. Yeah. So you'll eventually get one, I'm yeah. sure. Oh, if I, I can ever build another one. <laughs> well, I'm top of the list. Yeah. Uh, then on the top of you, the wait You'll list. probably hate it, but, you know. Uh, is that wait list longer than uh, Analog Man's uh, King of Tone? It probably <laughs> is, actually. Too, too I don't even know if I have uh, all the parts right now. I know uh, no. uh, at one point, uh, before the Kemper thing, I was actually going to start building those pedals. Right. And just as a side thing, side hustle. But yeah. So I bought a stack of boards. I've got probably a thousand boards for them. You should, um, we just have to edit the story slightly to make it so that, you know, you found the correct diodes, but they were only still in a warehouse in like Yugoslavia that had been, you know, half destroyed. I had to fly the over there mm-hmm. and, and bribe the guy. Yeah. Yeah. And they had been stored in the cold. Oh yeah. For this many. And, and, Keeps know, them fresh longer. Yeah. The yeah. Crystallizing <laughs> of the, 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 you know, whatever. it's, uh, I did find in, in the search for diodes, you know, it's so weird when you start just, I don't, you've got this too. You have to have this. It's an ability to focus. Yeah, yeah. But you're focusing your ears, which is totally mm-hmm. weird. Because um, most people just think of focus as eyes. But when you start trying to tell the differences between mm-hmm. A and B, you start being able to hear those little weird things. And yeah. most people probably, most people that don't do this yeah, don't hear those things. Mm-hmm. Engineers, mix engineers, they hear all that stuff. And it's just ear training. It, and, and there's a way to focus, I think. It's, it's funny you're saying this. It, it, there's a way, because I was recently experiencing this. I caught myself focusing on some high end and I would describe it as like, I'm, I'm focused, I'm hearing the whole thing, but same thing. If you're focusing on a project that's in mm-hmm. front of you or a picture, you can focus in on, on part of that painting, part of that picture. Right. In the same way you, you focus in on the high end, you're trying to get this thing right or to be like this thing mm-hmm. and you're hearing the other frequencies, but they're, they're not your concern. They're out of focus. Yeah, they're out of focus. <laughs> I like that. They're out of focus, really. Um, and and you got to have that, I guess, to know the difference between a a four magnets and yeah. want and want to. But go you can tell that. the but, difference. I mean, yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, you had put um, you had put a four magnets, was it right? Yeah. In your Sir S nineties, correct. And I have, what are the normal magnets that are in there? I'm going to guess they're fives just because Alnico 5 is the most common magnet for that. Yeah, so, and I love those pickups. Everybody who, who is familiar with tone jigging knows I, I love that, that blue Sur that I play. Um, it's, it's actually the pickup that I really voice all my profiles around. I don't, I hate saying that because then people think like, oh, so uh-huh. what, it doesn't sound good with anything else? Like, right. no, that's not how an amp works. You know, like, yeah. like <laughs> it's like a, it's just reference monitor. People can mix yeah. records on NS10s. Yeah. They don't always sound, the, that's not the best sounding speaker, yeah. but you know what frequencies are going to be even on that speaker because yeah. you've heard them a million times. Yeah, exactly. And you know what frequencies are in that pickup, right. so you know how to work right. around it. I, I know, like for me, I am very sensitive to like, like you sat kind of where I sit in, in, in my HW study there, but um, I sit in the same spot with the same cab facing me in the same orientation and I on purpose haven't flipped the room around because I actually have at one point wanted to flip that whole room around. Mm-hmm. But I didn't because I was like, this is the spot I sit. I feel like I, I know what everything sounds like when I sit here with this guitar right. and listen through this thing. It's not the most scientific, but it's consistent. You know right. what I mean? Which is maybe the, the should be the tagline for the Kemper. It's, it's not the most scientific, but it's consistent. It is consistent. <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, what, so the A4 magnets. Yeah. 
Mine are probably A5. Yours, I did the stock ones. You have a, a S90 guitar with A4s. Yeah. What did we hear? I feel like the A4s have a little softer top end. Mm-hmm. They have a little bit more low-mid kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. thing. And they just compress a little bit more. Yeah. That's what I hear. Yeah. That's what I think I hear. Yeah. And what I was going that's what I was going for, because I know what A five magnets sound. Mm-hmm. I've had enough, you know, Duncan fifty nines and different pickups. I I know what they sound like. Right. And and I've got antiquities, which are A twos on buckers, and I know mm-hmm. what those sound like. And then I got this Gibson that had uh, A threes or A fours, and they do have a different tone. So I thought, well, they do sound very vintagey, so I wonder if I can make these sewer pickups sound more vintagey. Yeah, and it's really just working around a problem. My yeah. main guitar is that Tom Anderson that you played mm-hmm. with A two Reds. Yeah, Red. Yeah, you've got a pedal named Red. And a, uh, it's a theme, I guess. A guitar named Red. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> um, we painted the red pedal red just because I thought red would be pretty color. We were at the craft store picking out paint, me and Ethan, so yeah, it turned red. Um, but the red has A2 antiquity magnets, mm-hmm. and they're degaussed, and they're aged, and all that stuff that they do for antiquity pickups. Sure. Um, and I was wanting the sewer to sound a little bit more like that. Mm-hmm. And I, But I didn't want it to be totally the same, so that's why I went with the A4s. Yeah. And they, I don't think they sound perfect in that guitar. They, they sounded really good. I, I'm actually kind of jealous of that three... P90 setup you've got going, especially yeah. on on red there. Yeah. Because you really had everything. We were just playing those guitars, and um, you have the you have the neck, mm-hmm. middle bridge. I'm not sure who's playing middle in the world on a Strat. Really, somebody is yeah. occasionally, but Jimmy Vaughn. I think he had the yeah. patent. <laughs> the patent. <laughs> Am I wrong about that? Do people play the middle? The only person I've ever really seen that I enjoyed listening to is Jimmy Vaughn. His middle that mm-hmm. middle pickup sounds amazing, and it's. It's like a brighter neck, I suppose. It's it a is. neck, but less neck, but it's not a bridge. Right. It should be more useful. Maybe it is useful and we're all missing the boat and he's really onto something. But, um, well, he's Jimmy Vaughn. So yeah. you, if you're going to like that or, or yeah. just like that. I mean, he's very specific with his yeah. style of play. But you were able to get to the neck and then you had the pull-up yeah. tone yeah. knob that lets you throw on the bridge. Right. So okay. you had the traditional telly thing, neck and bridge. Right, which I love on that guitar. Right. And right. I need to modify the sewer to get that. Right, yeah. But there's so much going on in that sewer. And this is the problem I had. I wanted to make that sewer sound like my mm-hmm. Anderson. I could have just bought Antiquities, but the way they have it all wired with their silent coil system, mm-hmm. I, I took, took the back off and I was like, oh, that's a lot of work. What can I do that's not so much work? Right, right, right. And so... I thought magnets. I've swapped magnets on P90s before. They're right. super easy. Six screws. You take, you sure. loosen it, put them back. In. Way easier than humbuckers. Hmm. Um, so I thought I'll just buy magnets, and so yeah. I did, and it worked. And so, yeah. But now I've got to figure out how that switch in the Andersons wired and try to copy that right. over to the pull pot on the make a pull pot for the sewer. I definitely had some guitar envy playing both of those guitars. They're they're nice ones. They're nice guitars. They really are. Uh, you could treat them a bit nicer. They were a little dinged up. That's not me. It was I like treat you, them very nice. Was, you know, you're it's my darn around. tech. <laughs> no, Rich does a great job. Sometimes stuff's just out of his control. But, right. Um, you know, yeah, the whole case of my guitars, four guitars, just fell four feet to the ground off a off a deck one time. Not re- just recently. So that may be that big dash that we saw. Yeah, yeah. Not to toot our collective horns here, but um, you, me, maybe Kristoff. It could be a couple other people. <laughs> these these are these are pretty big titans of industry in the uh, Kemper world. 
in the very small we have a little the, corner the of the world that we are. World, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Christoph doesn't play guitar. He does actually. Well, he okay. He but he would not describe. He's a keys guy. Yeah. You know. You know. Um. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I don't think he's at our level of uh, of geekery when it terms when it comes to changing out. If he created this thing. I mean, well, he's okay. way beyond my level it, of geekery it, it, in terms of maybe his ability to hear. Technology. Yeah, yeah. But he's not switching out diodes and guitar pedals. I would not put that past. Well, him. okay, maybe. And even Don, I mean, I've seen Don Peterson's. He's another engineer. At, yeah, oops, yeah, sorry, yeah. At Kemper, and uh, you know, he builds fuzz, fuzz pedals, and he's. Right, right. He's way beyond my geekery too. So, so here's here's where I'm going with this. It's we both play P90s. Yeah. You know, and we both really love the them. most perfect pickup the, ever made. Thank you for saying it because I was just <laughs> gonna say, people all the time ask me questions about pickups, and I don't want to come across as play what I play or you're dumb. Right. But kind of. No, <laughs> no, but but I no, I always go back because I love strats. I mean, you have tellies, you have strats, yeah, traditional ones. Me too. Um, I was showing you my my guild, my 1964 yeah. guild Starfire anti hum pickups, anti hum pickups, <laughs> which were very neat. We love guitars, we love gear, yeah. But P90s on I... our number ones, oh yeah, that's just what we go for because they're amazing. They are, and I and I. Try it's a to single tell... coil, so you don't have that deadness that some humbuckers get. Mm-hmm. It's got life in it, and it's big and bold, but it's still. I don't know. I love the pickups. It's the snap. They have this snap that a single coil has. This yep. open airiness. Yep. And then, but then, and then they have this low end that kind. Of, it can thump, but it's not. It's and it's not compressed like a humbucker low end. Now that sound is great sometimes. I, of course, like a great Les Paul sounds great. But to you me- throw a P ninety on the bridge, it can rock. You do a P90 on the rack, on the neck, depending on the P90, the guitar, it can sound like the fattest strat you've ever heard. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're getting, I, I told you, like, and this is almost verbatim what I said, with your red guitar. I said, the neck and the bridge, I wouldn't even pull out a telly. Yeah. If I need a telly sound and I want this, the telly neck and bridge sound, this is like, you're not going to be able to hear this isn't a telly on right. a record or something. Right. They're just... Uh, there are, why why aren't more people playing P90s? I have no idea. Well, you know why? Because they're noisy. They're well, big and they're noisy. Not the ones you and I play, <laughs> right? Does the Tom we have worked have around the, it? Yeah, yeah. We we worked around it. Yeah, you've got the Sewer Silent Coil mm-hmm, system in mm-hmm. there. Does it have the dummy coil in the? Have you opened the back? I haven't opened. Okay. Because my my carb top Sewer's got the dummy coil, where it's literally like a plastic bobbin with mm-hmm. wire around it, just no magnets or anything right, like right. that. So and it's. Theirs is act. That one's active, so it mm-hmm. needs a battery to work. Mine's and active, it, yeah. And then when the battery dies, it's just not mm-hmm. home canceling. The 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 P ninety ones, from what I understand, they have to make them active because it needs to be stronger to cancel the P ninety level of hum. Whereas well, the other ones can be passive, I think. Well, I, I think it's just a newer technology. It's just I don't know. Because the classic were, pros still don't come with, but they're silent and they they don't come with a battery. But right. all the JMs come with a battery. I, did, I thought it was just a newer thing, but it may be... Maybe the new classic. Um, yeah, maybe also just a size and space thing. It takes yeah. more space for the battery. Right, 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 right. Um, the original sewers, I believe, were... I mean, the dummy coil design's been around for a while, but there's mm-hmm. a, a guy in California named Illich. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so I've got Illich backplates. They make strap backplates, you know, mm-hmm. cover the springs, or they make pit guards. Uh, my telly, exotic telly's got the Illich pit guard, and... My strats and my and red have 
the Illich back plate. Yeah. And so it's a little bit extra work to get it all in there, and, and but it does still sound like the same pickups, and but it's noise free, which is yeah. super cool. So now I was not a Strat guy forever. A, they're noisy, and every stacked or side by side humbucker Strat pickup stopped sounding like a Strat. So mm-hmm. I just kind of gave up on Strats for a while. Yeah. Um, and then I found this really kind of hot Texas hot antiquity set. And they hang with my P90 guitar. So now I don't have to readjust all my EQs and stuff for that Strat. Yeah. And so now I've got two of those. Speaking of EQs, are you ever using the output EQ on your Kemper? Not for main outs to front house. I don't touch it. Yeah, you don't touch I'll, it. Because I'll, I'll bug our sound guys to no end. They, they get tired of hearing, how was the guitar you know, tonight? Right. But if they ever hear anything... And I'll ask him. I said, if you're if you're taking 400 out every day, let me know. Yeah, I'll fix I'll it on my end. Yeah. Um. Uh. But I will use so, on monitor cab out the EQ, the right, four band right, EQ. Because right. you're, and that's going into the Zytone. Either Zytone or a guitar cabinet, or if I'm at home, I've been using that QSC K10. I'll just roll it, especially if it's pointed at my head. I'm really averse to high end hitting my ears from a horn. Right. So I mean, yeah, I've gone to I've gone to great lengths to try to, like, on my CLR, I've taken a piece of guitar pickup box foam, shoved right. it in the throat of the horn, just so it's a little less high end. Sure. And so same thing. If I I'll roll highs and presents out if it's pointed up. Um. Somebody recently, <clears throat> uh, Stu G, who I was talking to you about earlier, he he told me we made some profiles. His guitar tech came and said, "Whatever you did, don't touch it. It's perfect." I'm not touching your channel at all. That's the goal, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it, right, because it's like, it's like we used to have tubes, mm-hmm. and we used to have all the, which, by the way, tubes don't even make the sound, but we'll get into that in another podcast. I actually, this is what I'm going to do, because I don't know if I'll ever be able to get Kristoff at the house here. I think next NAM, I'm going to set up a booth at NAM, and I'm going to do podcasts from the booth. Oh, that'd be I'm good just going to grab people and go, just come do a podcast with me. But I heard Kristoff, I actually think I have the audio of it, give a great explanation on why tubes don't make the sound of an amp anyway. Hmm. Which makes so much sense because all our amps use the same tubes, but they right. don't sound the same. Right. Why did I get into this? Because we were, li- we're limited there. We're not going to pull out uh, you know, a scope and a solder gun and start changing things. Is it too much 50 hertz? Let me just add a, something to take that out. But we have the ability now to add an EQ in front of our guitar you know, between the guitar and the amp, between the amp and the cab, between the cab and the output, mm-hmm. we can do that stuff that they're doing. Right. And if we get a dial, then it, it, it should make wherever we go. Because we don't always have a sound guy, right, who's play, who's doing the same show with us show after show, right? Unless you're on a tour or something. Or, yeah. Well, you know, we're spoiled just because we tend yeah. to keep one. But Right. You know. You're a pro. Yeah. <laughs> I told the you, band is a pro. I I'm told just you to, <laughs> along for the ride. <laughs> I told you too you were a pro because on the back of your guitars there was a little uh, a print with a name on the back of the headstock. Yeah. And I said, "This is when you know there's a pro guitar player when you you really because of the utility of it you have to name your guitars so that you can refer to them quickly. quickly. Exactly. You know what I mean? And it's best if they're one syllable. Right. Yeah. Mm, I got right, me red, right. strat. You know, right. if you're saying yeah. Goldie's too long. Well, two's probably the limit. Two, yeah. I have yeah. another guitar I named Bartholomew. You don't think that's gonna? I named one Ramsey's, but I, it's never, <laughs> it's never taken off. And I got it from uh, uh, Nacho Libre. 
you know, Ramsey's is the greatest. Ramsey's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. Ramsey, because that was my number one hollow tea that I do all profiling with, so it became Ramsey's. Right, right. But it's still too long, and it's not a, it's not an easy name to yell across stage and bring me Ramsey's. Right, right. Plus, people look at you like you're really weird. Right, super weird. Yeah. Okay, we've got some uh, some questions here. You want to... Let's uh, do it. Let's touch some of these questions. Um, let's see. Now, I'm... I should really read these questions before I read them out loud to see, but, <laughs> but I did not do that. Um, okay, so, uh, well, we talked about this one. Uh, I'd love to know uh, um, if Michael personally sees um, other people using Kemper around town. How are they utilizing the Kemper? Uh, is it viewed as being legit by most producers, or are two amps still king in the studio setting, kind of in our world of Nashville, or wherever, however you answer, you know, in I your feel experience? Like, I feel like if you're making mastered uh, albums... Um, engineers are always going to want to see tubes and the guitar players are going to want to play through tube amps. Right, right, right. Um, Is that an issue of education or quality? I think it's a perceived quality. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, some of these, the the big A session guys, they're, I don't want to say they don't need the Kemper, but mm-hmm. they've got the primo yeah. examples of some of these amps. Mm-hmm. Plus they just... And they have cartage. Yeah, they got cartage. They got budgets. <laughs> which, which is yeah. code for somebody else carries this stuff in for me, right? Exactly. I mean, this is, this is... <laughs> yeah, they just show up and 14 heads and six cabinets mm-hmm, are already mm-hmm. lined up and plugged in. So, And I've always gone into this this thing because this is... Someone said this to me. Um, I'm going to name name drop him here. It was It's the guy who makes TMG guitars. His name's mm-hmm. Jonathan. Great guy. Uh, I wouldn't name drop him if I was going to say anything negative. Um, he makes great guitars. He's, I think they go around and on their, um, on their like touring setup where they go to different trade shows and stuff, you know, they've got a real showman that's modified by Howard Dumble. They've got, um, a couple of vintage amps in there and they're selling really expensive guitars. You know, TMG guitars. I've seen them, yeah. So they're selling really expensive stuff. I mean, their hollow bodies are like six grand. Their bolt on strats are almost three grand if they're not three grand. All handmade. You know, no, spare no expense. He makes great stuff. He's got this, these vintage amps. And he said to me, he's like, I don't know. I just can't see the edge playing a Kemper. Yeah. And he's like, and wouldn't you be a little disappointed if you showed up <laughs> and he was playing a Kemper? And I thought to myself, okay, now, okay, one. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to liken the edge to my mother here for a minute. My mom, and I think everybody... You, you reach an age where it's hard to adopt new things. Yeah. Right? My mom is really comfortable with her Hotmail account. Right? And I can't get her to switch to Gmail. And I don't know what happened in between her getting on Hotmail and trying to go to Gmail. But something clicked where it's like, she's not really... She doesn't want to try new things with her email anymore. The Edge doesn't have I still a have reason. an AOL mail address. <laughs> Only because everybody knows it's that okay. one. okay. So. I... <laughs> That is, that is, uh, um, I know, I know, I see. Um, the, but the edge doesn't need to adopt a new technology. He's not carting in nine AC thirties, but I think his rig is something like six AC thirties or four AC thirties and two five E threes. You know, he's switching some on and off and everything. Well, all of his effects are preamp. There's nothing in effects loops anywhere. I mean, all those weird, crazy sounds are all just hitting the front end of a Mm -hmm. clean ish to overdriven amp. He's at the level where people watch his rig rundown on Premier Guitar, and they're not even disappointed that he's not in it. 
Because right. it's just assumed it's the edge. Right. It's like the, Brian May's the rig. Tech, or... Yeah, yeah. The tech is going to do it. Yeah. Oh, we want that. We want to hear the tech. It's not, I mean, I'm always disappointed if an artist is in those videos, but I'm not as one if he's in because it's so elaborate. That guy's full-time job oh, is yeah. making sure. So, yeah, is it... But going back to the original question, in the yeah. studio, I think there's, I think when producers, and I could be wrong, I don't, I don't do a lot of recording anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We make a record every two or three years. Yeah. Um, but the engineers that I've worked with, one of them will even call me and say, hey, guys, bring in a camper. Can you come down and consult just to make sure he's got the right sounds we need for whatever project? Um, I don't think they cringe when they see a camper. Right. Like they would a Line 6 piece of gear. Nothing mm-hmm. against Line mm-hmm, 6. Mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. camper to me has that little cool factor that yeah. some of these other brands don't have. Yeah. I think, too, that's one of the reasons this is off topic a little bit, but that is Line 6 points their stuff. People get mad at me when I say this, but from a marketing perspective, they're selling to, to bedroom players. Right. They're coming out with a lot of bedroom solutions. They're coming out with a lot of Sunday morning solutions. Line 6's target market is not professional producers who make their living making albums. Right. Now, that's not to say, in my opinion, you can't get tone that's indistinguishable oh, in agree. a mix. Right. I know you feel that way. I feel that way. To me, the feel's a little different. Mm-hmm. There's some differences there. To me, I, I don't know um, whoever, um, you know, uh, Robert Line 6 or whoever owns the company, um, you know, Mr. Six. I mean, his nephew must be the guy <clears throat> in charge of making presets because I can't understand how that guy hasn't been fired now because Line 6 has been releasing bad presets preloaded on these units for since the original pod. Yeah, I don't know how they do all I, that stuff. I, and it's so crazy to me because it seems like whenever it comes out, players make it sound way better than it did out of the box. Like, why don't why don't you just get players to do that up front and then? Well, in their defense, all of these modelers, <clears throat> an amp is a closed system. Mm-hmm. You've got an amp, a speaker, and everything's in one box. Mm-hmm. The Kempers and the Line Six Helix, all those units are not closed systems. They're totally dependent on what headphones you're playing through, what speaker cabinet you're going through, what room you're in, what guitar you're playing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very dependent on all that. Yeah. And it is hard for you or I even to create a a Kemper profile that sounds great on every speaker that it gets played through. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And I've played, like, I made some profiles for Wolf Mm -hmm. of his Marshall or EVH head. And uh, it sounded great in the room where we were profiling and whatever cabinet we were listening to it. He gets back home to the studio and they're dark as hell. It's like, yeah. holy crap. I've had that happen. And so it's just, there's just so much variety in the speaker. The monitoring system is... In the room. Rooms can be bright. Absolutely. They can be alive. They can be... There's probably like echo on these mics a little bit. Like you can oh, tell sure. we're in a small room with this, yeah. you know, hey, this is, uh, it's worth what you pay High for. budget. It's uh, worth what you pay yeah. for, okay? <laughs> um, so, but short answer to the question, there is... Producers don't cringe when you see the Kemper. I, I see them in a lot of studios. I don't think now, they cringe, and especially demo sessions and stuff. Oh, they are they're all over money. The place. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. don't have to pay for cartage now. Yeah. They and they get all these amps. Yeah, I don't. I mean, HW is not hanging out in uh, uh, in top level studios these days, uh, or any of the days in his past. But um, I feel like I see. I have sold people on getting Kempers, um, and they've all been players or demo guys. And even even writers and stuff. I mean, or, or people who play live. Mm-hmm. You know, I've noticed everybody at my church is completely on Kemper now, and even the producers who go there, who I just talk gear to, they've adopted Kempers. Right. 
Stu G, I know we talked about him a lot on his channel. He's he's been on the channel a bunch, and and on, and uh, he'll be coming on the podcast. He's a great example of a guy who has taken a four twelve and his vintage park and everything around. Did the stadium thing for years and years, and it was on. We got four dates in Europe. What are we gonna do? Right. Played the Kemper, and then now for him it's like, well. I'm going to bring the Kemper on this leg because it's shorter, and I'm going to bring the Kemper on this Christmas tour because it's shorter. But I still like having amps on stage. You know what right. I mean? There's, that's a feel nobody's trying to copy. Right. You know, if you but if you're straight into in ears, I think it's great. Um, uh, would Embrit recommend tweaking profiles per guitar? What's the best approach after the definition control? Someone said, I second this. I find myself tweaking profiles because my humbuckers are hot and dark, and I usually get. Uh, I usually can get something I'm happy with, but tips would be great. How do you adjust? You've got <clears throat> many different guitars. How do you adjust profiles? And uh, we've had this conversation, so I... I do it on the front end, typically. Mm -hmm. uh, you won't find a really hot humbucker in my house. And mm -hmm. I just tend to gravitate towards pickups that are in that middle range, you know, around the P90 range, because it's my right, favorite. Right, right, right. So my Strat pickups are hotter, my Tele pickups are a little hotter than normal vintage Mm -hmm. And my humbuckers are a little on the weaker yeah, side, yeah, so they kind of stay. Now, if I was having to tweak, definitely just uh, first thing I do is turn the definition up for a dark humbucker, mm -hmm. and then go to that treble and presence knob and yeah. and turn those up. Yeah. There's also those cab parameters. Um, if you're dialing it in for certain things, if there's way too much low end, take the low shift up. Just you don't even have to go much at all. It's sensitive. Point it's very two, sensitive, yeah. you know, is is usually plenty. Um, and that's about it. Now strats. Definitely definition lower because uh, they're bright. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. what happens when you're turning the definition down, you're not only turning highs down, you're turning, you're, it's basically a balance. It's like right, a scale. Right, right. Mm -hmm. um, you can add in the lows and right. the mid-range by reducing it. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's like if you just picture a seesaw, you know, as mm -hmm. five is pretty much there, it starts doing this on right. both sides. So And those adjustments, I find there's adjustments that you're making with the definition control where it doesn't seem like it gets much brighter but definitely there's stuff coming out right when you get to high oh yeah you start you know lowering I mean? that yeah that low end you, you really start to dump that stuff and i believe most of that and i could be totally wrong but i believe one of the kemper guys said that it's it has to do with the amount of low end hitting the gain hmm. and if you'll notice most of these high gain amps that are uh have definition super high mm -hmm. they have filtering built into the amp because i don't know if you've ever heard low end going into a circuit that's distorting but it's really not pleasant yeah yeah and so a lot of these amps clon pedals do it they filter out low end they put a high pass filter and filter out low end before the gain stage yeah and that's what that definition control is actually reading hmm. and so these like some matchlesses that keep all those frequencies hitting that michael you have just made a light bulb go off for me yeah. this is why whenever i turn on a clon clone the definition goes way up oh yeah even though i don't perceive it as much brighter because right. it's dumping the bass before exactly. the gain stage shows there's not as much bass to get to the Kemper. Correct. And wow. if you listen to like Matchless Lightning, yeah. you'll get one definitions because it's sending all those frequencies yeah. into the gain stage. This has officially just become the best <laughs> Kemper knowledge resource of any <laughs> of any podcast <clears throat> before. Um, uh, we've talked about this. I, I, I do the same thing. To me, it's number one definition control. Yeah. If you want to flirt with some of the other parameters in there. You want to add some compression, but that's yeah. not really EQ stuff. Just, right. But for me, it's definition control. It's that EQ on the front. Oh yeah. And then it's cab parameters. And usually I don't even need to get to three. I, I find it's just definition seldom. control. And then maybe I'll add a little bit. And I, and if me, you have to do more than that, you usually switch profiles. 
Right, right. A hundred percent. Yeah. And you and me have talked about this. I feel like people are way too sensitive to the EQ controls on the Kemper if they don't read straight up. Mm-hmm. And I think the mid-range control rolling it up sounds really good. Oh, yeah. I think like when I want more mid-range, I roll it up and boom, it's like that's that's what I wanted to hear. On all my solo sounds live, my Marshall-type solos, I'll goose that mid-range yeah. on there just because it, like you said, it's, those EQ knobs are perfectly voiced to me. And people... Yeah complain that the Kemper isn't like using a real amp, you but <laughs> I so take this over a real amp any day of the right, week because right. there's so much going on on fender amps and stuff. If you're turning one thing up, you're actually turning something else down. It's just, mm-hmm. you're chasing your tail half right, the time. Right. You're losing what you liked and to get what something else. But people get used to that, I think. Yeah. And I, I've, I've mentioned this before. I think there's a thing where it's difficult to learn. The learning curve of the Kemper is there, not because it's a steeper learning curve than amps are, but we all went through the learning curve of amps, right. and no one ever called it a learning curve or said this is hard to do. It's just a given that if I have a bright switch, it does this. If I take out on a box, there's no mids, right. but it has a lot of mids. How right. do I control the mids? Right. You know what I mean? How do it's I? Because they're all interactive. The basic right. turn the bass and tre- treble down, you get mids. And it's just it's just understood that well, you have to learn how to use this amp. And then you see the Kemper, and there's these things we've never seen before: definition control. Right. I've always maintained that like. You and I don't know what a bright switch sounds like because somebody listened to a podcast and heard me describe for an hour what a bright switch <laughs> sounds like, even though I've done right, that, right? Right. They we know it and then... because you flick it, you do it. Now then, that, in, that experience informs when I talk about it for an hour. Right. Now you have something to go back and reference. You know those words that I'm saying, I'm describing it have more meaning because you've experienced the bright switch going on. I think the problem is when people sit down and they see definition, they've got no context for what that is. Right. But once you become familiar, I know what it's going to sound like when you up the definition control. You know what it's going to sound right. like. I know what it's going to sound like when I up the presence and the treble. clarity. Yeah, the clarity. You're at, I love yeah. the clarity knob. I know what it's going to feel like when I add the compression mm-hmm. in that in that section. Right. Um, the clarity for a minute. Now, I've asked them, I've asked uh, Christoph what it does. And he gave me a very German response, which is, well, I can't tell you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, what, what he, now he did hint at me one time. I said, what is it doing? It's the high end. And he said, well, it's actually maybe in the highs and the mids. And the, but I, I don't want anyone to, to copy what we're doing. Right. They're achieving something by doing something else. It's the way that I believe, and I could be wrong. I believe it's. Because, you know, they have the uh, clean sensitivity and distortion sensitivity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're not blending in. The direct mix is already blending in a clean, dry sound. So it's not the same as that. Mm-hmm. I believe it has to do with they are somehow untying the clean and distorted parts of the signal. And they're able to push more of the cleaner signal through it. And it's, it does tend to sum up and give you more mid-range to me when I hear it. Yeah, when you roll it up? Yeah. Yeah. So I hear a little bit more mid-range. It's a little cleaner, but it's not direct signal. Mm-hmm. It's still that amp exactly. tone, yeah. but it's a little less mm-hmm. fuzzy, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah, it's clear. It is clarity. It's, a, it's like an adding... It's brilliant. Clarity. I love that knob. Um, so, okay, that was... Uh, and on the EQ knobs on the front, if, if I take a flat sound a profile that I've made, and it's totally straight up in the middle, if I take each one and turn to the right to where one light's on, to me it sounds cooler. And I don't know. I mean, it's, it's very one. scientific. Very scientific. Up one to one and a half lights, mm-hmm. it just sounds better. Yeah. And I don't know if louder is just always better, or 
there's, what it there's is, there's something in those EQ points yeah. that they've chosen that is they're very good. I mean, they they did a good job on that. Yeah, I, and I noticed too, like the bass doesn't take out always all the lowest bass, Mm-mm. and so what that means is though it used to, that used to frustrate me because I'd be like, well, there's too much like thump, real low end right. in here. It's too bellowy. Maybe it's a hundred or fifty or whatever, and it used to bother me. That I can't take it out. But what it also means is when you go the other way, you're not adding the bad stuff in. You can go all the way up, and it's still not a bad tone. Yeah. And you can all now that you know where low shift is, you can take that right. super low stuff out. Right. And you and and um, <clears throat> yeah, that is that. And how magic are those two controls? Can you imagine having that on? <clears throat> I want an amp. amp? With, I want a real amp tube amp with definition. <laughs> I don't know why. And my biggest. The thing that Kemper got right is fixing these things. Mm-hmm. Your EQ knobs are ind- independent. They're not, if you turn the bass mm-hmm. up, you're not losing treble. Yeah. Um, the gain knob is independent of volume. Yeah. And that's my biggest pet peeve with every other mod- modeling well, device. You're turning stuff into ones and zeros. Mm-hmm. Fix problems. Yeah. Like Kemper did. Right. Not, we keeping all these problems of a tube amp and just shoving shoving them into numbers and parameters. Mm-hmm. I hate when I'm on the Helix, for instance. I love the Helix for what it is. Turn up the gain, you got to immediately go to the master mm-hmm. or channel volume and turn it down. Yeah. Just to try to keep in the same gain range. You've been using the Helix uh, live lately. Which... I did a couple shows yeah. with it just to test. Because yeah. I do these presets at home, listen to my earbuds or whatever, and I think I think these are pretty good. And then yeah. I have to test them live in, in it, situation yeah. just to see if they're any good. Yeah. And the two shows I did with them, there were some sounds I thought, man, this sounds just as good as the Kemper. And then there was yeah. others that I was like, eh, it's a little thin. But that's just the learning. If I had to use the Helix all the time, I would get it dialed in in probably about two months, which is what it took me to get the Kemper dialed in. I just did, uh, I played live with the HX Stomp, and it went pretty well. But same thing. Yeah. You know, it, it, it sounds good. Feels not the same. Yeah. No, it's not. So the way, though, I was getting... For me, what I'm liking about the HX Stomp is it's allowing me to use some of my favorite pedals again, oh, yeah. like a Cali 76. Mm-hmm. So I love that compressor. And then use uh, a King of Tone again, which is, I'm usually playing profiles of a King of Tone through a Vox AC30, which is my rig for a long time. And then now I play it through the Kemper. So now I'm using a real King of Tone through the HX Stomp. Um, I think so, you're, you're a fan of the stuff. You've made yeah. stuff for the Helix. You're a fan oh, of yeah. the Helix. I, I'm a fan of, of the stuff too. But I bleed green. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's just. I mean, it's a thing if, that changed. If someone me. said, "Which would you rather yeah. use?" I, I know the the Kemper better, and it solves my my whole thing is just solve problems. Yeah. That the Kemper solve problems of consistency. Mics moving, tubes going mm-hmm. bad, um, tubes breaking, fuses blowing. You know all the problems I had with tube amps. And also, if I wanted to run stereo and have mic blends, now I'm up to three, four channels on a, on a console. Totally. Sound guy doesn't want that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then those blends would change daily just by millimeters of mics moving. Yeah. So the Kemper solves problems. Now, there's problems with the Helix that I think the Kemper still beats it at. Mm-hmm. You know, the smart harmony, I can set user scales in the Kemper, which for two songs that I need the harmonies on... That is a big one. Line six should add that in. I mean, it was on some of their older devices. You could create yeah. your own user scales, yeah, but it didn't make it to in. this. That, that seems just like an oversight. Yeah. That really does seem like an oversight. But those are the types of things where if the community doesn't talk about it, right. they can get forgotten. Right. And then, you know, um, may, hopefully. Yeah. Because I know line six. And just, just the fighting gain stage or gain structure, you know? Yeah. I just, I know that if my master volume on my 
Kemper's right up in the middle. They're all going to be roughly in the same vein. Right. Maybe a little bit here and there in the mm-hmm. amp uh, volume, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you're 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 actually you want more problem solved. Where I think a lot of people get upset when their modeler acts too different oh, no. than a tube amp. And I love tube amps, but when I sit in the room with them, I hear that. I don't want to say flaws because they're not flaws. No, but of course. But they're things I would fix yeah, if not, I could. They're, they're not finely tuned machines. No, they're they're not. They're hot rods, most of them. They, yeah, the good ones anyway. Yeah, I liken it to like, I feel like the Kemper is. I'm playing a Tesla. You know what I mean? Like this is much more refined. What I'm able to do with it, right. I can still crash into a pole or something. Well, maybe the, Tesla, <laughs> maybe the Teslas you can't do that. Yeah. You can still drive bad, I guess. Yeah. You can still go too slow. I don't know. The cars drive themselves, so maybe not. But the capability is so much better. Whereas, yeah, I view the tube amp is like the internal combustion engine. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a Corvette. All this, hor- you know, uh, I heard on Top Gear them, them say about Corvettes. You know, only Americans could turn an engine this powerful and with so little horsepower. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's that sort of thing. There's an inefficiency about tube amps where it's like. Yeah, to get my tone, it has to be way too loud. That's my for biggest any problem. Environment. I yeah. think the biggest problem that needs to be said is people live in spaces. Like right now, you can probably hear the, the reverb on the walls and, and the bounce back, right? I'm going to get that fixed. But we live in these spaces, right? We're in my house. We're in a room that I had that I was yeah. like, I'm going to make this a podcast. But this is where we live, and our amps are probably going to be in those spaces, if you don't consider where people are, and if you don't consider a, what volume is not painful when you're designing a piece of audio equipment, in any other sort of world other than guitar, we would say that's a bad piece of equipment, right? right. <laughs> we would say this it is not suitable. Good at, yeah, it sounds yeah. really good, but it's blowing the walls yeah, down. Could you imagine if, if, if someone said... I made the best sounding studio monitors ever, but you can only run them at 125 decibels <laughs> all the time. Right. No one would use them. Right. And and the, just in the real world, a lot of people are using in-ear monitors. Of course. Uh, churches. Yeah. yeah. Nobody wants live stage volume. If you go to Broadway, they, they're trying to stick guitar players on helixes and things mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. because they don't want to have to fight a guitar amp to get are the vocal really? over the PA. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... There's something a little bit wrong about that, and I'm a Kemper guy through and through, but... Well, I mean, Broadway. just well, whatever you know, the boss katanas, you know, whatever they sure. want, just to sure, sure. lower the volume, and mm-hmm. that's that's been the trend for the last fifteen years mm-hmm. for sure. I remember when I first when we start, first started touring, none of that stuff was out. I had three amps going at the same time. I had one I had a Marshall, a Fender, and a Vox running together. It was glorious. Right. right. I look back now and think, why? <laughs> why did, did I anyone that? let me do that? <laughs> it was so it had to be loud. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, well, let's see, one topic, uh, uh, we've talked about cabs, EQs for studio work. Yeah, somebody mentioned you use one cab and I use another cab and why we do that, and I mean, I do it just, you know, like I said, I've done it for so, for so long, I've owned so many cabs, and this is what I consider mm-hmm. the best sounding, most, I don't want to say flat, it's not flat. It's just the best sounding cab. I can run any amp into that cab, and it still sounds and, like the and amp. That's the, um, the, it's the third c- power. But the the Celestians that are. Oh yeah, the, gold, the I mean, I use the Classic Elite eighty. The Classic Elite eighty. And yeah. I don't know why, because I for years I used Vintage thirties, and I thought that was the be all end all speaker. 
And then um, I had a Mesa Lone Star, no relation. Um, mm-hmm. And I, it had the, the 90 watt selection mm-hmm. in it, right? And, but the, you know, that I could run it clean and I could hit that low E string. And I always want my low E string to sound like a piano, not mm-hmm. like a thud. Yeah. And we talked about this is why you lock your bridge down. Yeah. Not yeah. lock it down, but it's touching the body. Oh, yeah. It's pretty tight. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you can't do your soft. I, I was having a hard time getting it to move at all with my <laughs> with my girlish touch. <laughs> um, but yeah, I want my low string. To, and so I would play through that Lone Star at home and it's like it just had that mm-hmm. ring because that 80 watt speaker just could keep up and hold together. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, if I like that speaker, I'm going to try a Classic Lead 80. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the closest thing Celestian has to that, you know, just in the market. So I did. And ever, ever since then, I just have been a huge fan of that speaker. Yeah. And then... I didn't realize when they added the Lone Star models to the Helix or the Shiva, I don't know, it was one of the Shiva, it's the Shiva cab, but I finally found, I didn't find it for the first year I had the oh, Helix, yeah, that speaker, but there's a Classic Lead 80 right. thing, and after I found that, I was like, well, I don't need to use my own IRs if I've got the ability to use that with a couple of mics on it. So when I did these last two shows with the Helix, I used the stock cab with the 112 Classic lead. Now for the profiles, you've but when you have a combo amp, you usually use a speaker that's in there. It depends. Like yeah. if it's a because you have, I have. Like I, I'm from I, I yeah. you know. Typically, I'll still I'll make profiles with my third power, and mm-hmm. then if I have time and if it's a unique enough sound, I'll do the, ca- yeah. the combo cap yeah, too. Because yeah, yeah. like with your Vox pack, you can't not. You have to. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. You just can't not. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. You have. It's like I love. I actually. Kind of prefer boxes with greenbacks, mm-hmm. but it's because you've had one and your ears just think that's what it's supposed to sound like. Right, right. But and I've had that same amp. But so. that, what we were playing yeah. in the room there—that was a box with mm-hmm. with I put the little X on it. That's See, a box that's, for the blues. That was with blues. That's yeah. those profiles, and I love that sound. Right. I just also I just for me live now greenbacks through a box like I had that same TB six or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, those sounded good. Those are greenbacks. Didn't sound like greenbacks for some reason. But, it might but, be the but Marshall yeah. cabinets, I just they just sound very dull and always in, in Marshall. Is it always in the four twelves? Usually, yeah. But I've had them in my third power two twelve. I've put you know the greenbacks in that. And you feel like yeah, you don't like. I, so I use these Scumback M seventy fives, and it's most like a creamback. It has the power handling of a creamback, mm-hmm. and it's really Scumback's version of a creamback. And Oops. I believe these were made before. Mine were made before, um, uh, before I think the Creamback was reissued, because uh, that was when did the Creamback come back? Three years ago, maybe. Yeah, they didn't have it out for a long time, and um, four maybe longer. And now they've got those Alnico Creambacks, which yeah. I want to try. Yeah, I haven't tried them. They're really yet. nice. I've got Weren't, golds, but were you telling me someone said the Alnico Creamback was their favorite speaker? Somebody was just telling me. I don't think it was me. Yeah, I have a love hate relationship with golds. Sometimes, like one day, I will think. This is the best sounding speaker ever. Mm-hmm. Two days later, it's like, God, I cannot stand this thing. It's got this thing that I can't get rid of. So mm-hmm. I, I like them and hate them both at the same time. I think that's, I think that's the Alnico quality. And that's one thing I noticed. <laughs> I should really silence my phone before we do this. <laughs> that's one thing I noticed about um, the, uh, the Helix stuff is if I pull up a blue, well, it's this blue cab. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I feel like I've encountered different cabs that sound different that both have blues in them. Right. And I haven't really experienced that I'm able to get the full sort of breadth of what those things can sound like. You know what I mean? Right. 
to me, it's a package thing. Like a cab sounds good or a cab well, doesn't. To me, they over-accentuate what the differences are. Yeah. I mean, like it sounds super boxy mm-hmm. to such point where you don't know. It would only sound good if you're playing mm-hmm. Holly's covers, you know, right, or something right, like that. Right, right, right. I just, I never can, or if you're playing Bird's songs, you know, I just can never right. get something that sounds kind of usable across the spectrum. Uh, somebody wants to know, what is your favorite FRFR? And this is a little bit of an easy question. Uh, I mean, you play your FRFR. I do. Your Zytone, Zytone. Embrit, Signature. And I had it made kind of to do what I wanted it to do. So right. that's the one I've been using. Um, is it perfect? I mean, Mick would hate me if I said, no, it's not perfect. But, I mean, we're still looking at other speakers for it. You know, mm-hmm. the Celestian coaxial is going to be coming out. We're going to try that. So we're always looking to try to make it even better. But so far, that's my favorite one that we've done. Right. Or that I've tried. Okay. You and I both know Kristoff and the guys at Kemper. Mm-hmm. Let's set the record straight. Oh, no. Because um, they um, they have this reputation. And I don't think it's accurate. And I don't think you think it's accurate. Okay. Where I, I think because of this one online video, it's, 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 there, it's been said that their attitude is... They've created the greatest piece of gear ever, and they never need to update it because it's already the greatest, and you should all just accept that it's the greatest, <laughs> and we never need to do anything to it again, and that's why we're not it's doing a very all German the things you want. attitude. Is that, is, is that their <laughs> opinion as you've heard it from them? I've heard similar things, but I don't think it's meant in that kind of a, yeah, yeah. a really assholey way can yeah, i say that it's, yeah it's made it's i mean they're very proud of their gear and the fact that it sure. has not had to they haven't made a kemper 2 yet mm-hmm. and that's testament to the fact that they overbuilt it in the beginning and however he did his algorithms to make it we just work got, we just got new reverbs that sound to me as good as the ventress the um the big sky and yeah. we didn't have to buy a dsp card to add into the kemper we didn't have to pay for them I'll tell you my um, my take on this, and you you introduced me to them the first time, uh, uh, and um, I pretty much just hung around their booth all all nam six months ago and wouldn't leave them alone, and probably asked them every question I could think of, um, and I, I, I my impression from none of those guys was ever that that they're no. like I mean I've heard them say made things. the perfect thing I mean they've said pretty much why. You know, right. why do we need to come out with something new? Why do we need to come out with something new? Because it's not antiquated yet. <clears throat> and but it's, it's not. And they're it's still not, adding features. Yeah, they're still supporting. They're still adding features. Um, but it hasn't been. I guess that's my thing that I notice is it, it, it's been said. I feel like it's almost been said that like they don't they feel it's perfect. And, and, and now they're just not going to do anything to it and leave it alone. Right. But it's like if that were true, they wouldn't come out with delays. Right. They wouldn't come out with reverbs. Right. No, no. They wouldn't come out. You know what I, I mean? I think they overbuilt it. I mean, they had when they first came out, they had a whole processor that was not even being used yet. Mm-hmm. And they thought ahead enough to do that. I mean, that's. And I can't help but notice um, it's. I can't help but notice. I mean, they're, they're still supporting it. It's. They appear, from what they've told me, to be a company that's still selling a heck of a lot of Kempers. Mm-hmm. I would assume. If but... anything, from what I heard with them, was the challenges with keeping up with demand. Yeah. So if you if people are still being converted and you're going forward, and your challenges are how do we keep up with the growing demand? 
Why would you? It's weird to me that every that it seems like people want them to do the Axe Effects thing, which is we're done, we're stopping support. There's a new unit. Yours is antiquated. Well, that's the beauty of people like us is that <laughs> we're creating new content for the camper all the time. It's the same box. People can right. still get it. People that have had it for three years right. get new stuff. Right. I mean, I don't think, I mean, we have to wait for Fractal to add new amp models. Mm-hmm. You have to wait for Line 6 to add new amp models. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just go get new amp models with the camper. Mm-hmm. I think just the by design, it's made for more longevity. Yeah. Longevity, yeah. Yeah. Um, which camp are you in as regarding the editor? Is it necessary or is it just would be nice if you had it or it's a piece of crap because it doesn't have an editor? I fall in this camp where I go, if you want an editor, I think it would be cool to have an editor. Now, there is Toast Me. There right. is the third-party editor. And people get mad at me whenever I say there's no editor. And they're like, there is an editor. And, is this and, that. and people have even said they're just waiting for Toast Me to do all the work. And then they're going to stay. It's like, I, that, it's, this isn't rocket science. It's, right. it's MIDI over USB cable. Like, I mean, right. um, the guy made the Kemper and keyboards. He can, they can make an editor if they want. I think for them, I think one of the things I, I notice is um, maybe they feel like it's not in their target market's real desire to have an editor. And so it hasn't been very important. I'd love to see an editor. But when I hear people attach onto the editor things like, why can't I use it as an interface? I think like if you're trying to use the Kemper as your audio interface, you're it, that's just not what it's designed for. Right. Or I hear people say, well, can it be a load box also? Just just things that really are are outside of what it should be. So and I'm like of the said, opinion I'd love to see an editor, but I sit there with my those Kemper. things are consumer level. Those are not pro level things because you're already going to have exactly, an interface if you're exactly. doing a lot of recording. Yeah, you probably paid a lot of money for an interface right. already. You're not going to just. Right. And that's what that's why I go back to the line six puts in these features so that it's attractive to these people. It's not because they're a huge company exactly. and they're looking at numbers of people yes. and numbers of units. They're not trying to make they're not trying to compete with UA. UA does their thing. And to me, even if I watch how UA puts together their UI, the graphics they use, they're a hundred percent speaking to recording engineers, right. to people who are used to this stuff. The Oxbox software shows pictures that look like the studio you wish you had. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 on the screen. Their target audience is high-grade professionals, like studio yeah. people. Line 6, I get it. I asked, why have you used, why your editor looks like a video game? Why is it black and red and everything? And they said, well, we made it on the screen so you can see it in low-light conditions. We then want it to be a seamless sort of transition where they're using it on the screen or on your big screen on a computer. Mm-hmm. So we made it the same color scheme. That's a totally reasonable explanation. That's a really good reason to design it that way. I think that's practically a good reason. That's for the player, though. Right. UA is not considering low-light conditions for, no. their, for their anything. Right. You know what I mean? So. I mean, Line 6 is... I think it's a great good stuff. Job. I'm a big Line 6 fan. I, I think, love, I have an HX Stomp, an HX Effects, and an HX Helix. I and I have, yeah. you know what I mean? So, I mean, we're fans, but. Absolutely. And I think they're doing a good job of creating a pro enough quality sound that you can get there, especially with these new reverbs and stuff. Yeah. I mean, some of those yeah, new yeah. reverbs are really good. And putting a Klon and a Timmy, those are the two pedals I've had on my board for mm-hmm. 15 years. I don't know if they called me and said hey or <laughs> or i don't know it's it's funny that those those are the two models they, they called added me. i told them that you isn't that weird <laughs> but um 
But, you know, they're trying to walk, skirt that line. But, mm-hmm. you know, they made their bread and butter selling spider amps right. to beginning guitar yeah, players. they're not ignoring. They can't, you know, ignore mm-hmm. all those people. Yeah. They want to hook them with the spiders and then push them into the more pro-level stuff. Yeah. And I, the Helix is not bad. Look at what the HX Stomp is. To even suggest that a Line 6 Helix is too large to take anywhere on an right. airplane or something, that you would need a smaller unit, right. is... It's it's they're creating a product not because there's like a huge market need for a mini helix, but because it's now a pedal board direct solution for guitar players. Absolutely. People that have their Strymons and want all that, but they don't have to run through a cabinet and go direct. Yeah. And that's totally an ease of use thing. It's not a That was actually a smart box, I thought. Oh, it's for the them smartest. To make. I did a whole podcast on why I think this is a, the smartest <clears throat> piece of equipment ever released anywhere. I, I honestly was confused. Why their power cab didn't seem to go all the way where I thought it should go. If you put a load box in the power cab, you would have a box that you could, that any musician could say, I already carry a cab and I already carry an amp. And I could take this lightweight cab with a load box, run an IR, send that direct out, and I can run that same IR through my cab, or I can model speakers and send that modeling out direct and i could run direct and have a speaker on stage so i don't even need mics anymore to me they could have the mark could be way bigger for that power cab oh yeah but um you know they didn't call me i called them (laughs) they didn't return my calls it's a whole thing let's see do we have any other uh uh, good questions here there's some questions um i just i've never had the need for an editor with the camper and i I see and and i've worked with the fractal editor i've worked with the helix Mm -hmm. editor I don't want to say it's a time suck, but I do spend more time looking at it. And I think the Kemper is just intuitively turn something off from the face, mm-hmm. never go more than two pages of menu diving. Mm-hmm. Um, I find I can get around way quicker on that than I ever could on any of the other editors. I think that's a fair point. I, I'm not like dying for an editor, but I would like to see one. I'll tell you one reason I, I would like to see one is I think that the biggest thing limiting the Kemper in terms of what we are allowed to do with it is no, not any software limitations, but it's really the front design of the box. They designed it to look like this. Mm-hmm. So I've asked them about the reverb. Why does it say reverb? And their answer is, because reverb usually goes at the end. Right. Why does it say delay? Delay usually goes at the end. Why does it say mod? Mod usually goes at the end. Why does it say X? In case you want to run something else. <laughs> right. So totally to be like, they, see, they were bringing this box out when digital wasn't cool. Right. And they have to educate the consumer. It has to be a product you can look at and know what it does, know what I'm supposed to do. But because of that, we're now sort of locked into this four effects in the back, four effects in the front. But look, the, the EQ can go pre or post amp block, even though it's physically right there. Right. They gave us that. I've asked, can you make this stuff go anywhere? Yes. Can the EQ block, instead of being that EQ on the front, could I put a graphic EQ in there? The answer is, yeah, we could do that. The answer to all these questions that I ask seem to be, we can do anything. I would love to see an editor that unlocked some of those and made it a little more like that so that I could maybe do more. Now, I'm not running into practically a point where four in the back and four in front is not enough. But maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
I think if you're using that many effects, you need to be a keyboard player. <laughs> you're not trying to sound like a guitar. It's probably anymore. true. I'm it's probably kidding. true. I'm a Luddite when it comes to that. It's like the yeah. fewest things I could possibly run through. Yeah. But I still like my wacky sounds here and there. But I never, I haven't gotten close to turning all the all the lights on mm-hmm. in the top row. So. Well, you're a player. You know what I mean. Yeah. And that's what I that's what I noticed. It's there's a type of guy that spends that to a degree. I just enjoy working with the stuff. Yeah. Then to another degree, I realize I have to go take it out. But that's why I both am trying to profile the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> and every iteration, right? Mm-hmm. It like fascinates me. But also, I play the same profiles every week. Yeah. Well, that's a great thing about the praise and worship place. I mean, the mm-hmm. there's guitar players that are playing two, three days a week, same venues, over and over and over and over. A lot of the guys that play Broadway, for instance, in Nashville, they're in this club one week, this mm-hmm. club another week. This mm-hmm. the environment's different. It's, it's, I think the praise and worship groups are in a good position. They're in a good position to keep improving their tone. Oh, it's a total deluxe gig. Yeah. And deluxe is, uh, cause even us, we play different venues every day. Right, right, right. You know, but you're are, bringing your own soundboard and everything, but still yeah. it's all different, right? Right. PA speakers are different, but yeah, we bring our own board. Right, right, right. But yeah, it's just, you know, it's a prime position to, really fine-tune what you're doing right and see i love the new reverbs and and i haven't figured out a place to put them yet and 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 it's purely the kind of music we play if i start adding too much reverb my guitar goes from here to back here Mm -hmm. and i don't want that there's already a piano player taking up room there's Mm -hmm. bass player and a steel player Mm -hmm. i've got my little spot in the middle yeah yeah. and if you start throwing a bunch of stuff it starts backing Mm -hmm. out of the mix Mm -hmm. and so i have to stay i don't want to say drier yeah but it's I'm, I don't I'll put a lot of delays on there because it's actually note. But mm-hmm. trying to put reverb, which is just basically noise, it's ambient noise, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that tends to push it further away from right in your face. A lot of times, that's the sound you know that they're going for, and you hear these bands like Bethel and stuff. Oh, that sounds and that's, amazing. And they they do that. It's it's thick, it's lush, but they have a lot of key stuff. Yeah. But what I notice is a lot of times the the key stuff is maybe going more synth. And the guitar stuff is taking more of the pad stuff. Yeah. You just said something that was really profound. It really got me thinking, which was, it's probably the Sunday morning environment that's actually allowing people to to get to new levels of like obsession oh, over yeah. the minutia of their tone. Because before that, the reverb was just there's reverb. It's on. Right. You're done. Right. You know. It's, it's now yeah. it's a part of the. I mean, it's, oh, it's it's part of your sound. Yeah. It's a huge. Think, what's funny is I was just talking to uh, a guy named James Duke, who's a big praise and worship player, a guy in town here, he goes on tour with a bunch of people, does records for people, and um, he was telling me all about. It. He's like, I don't even use reverb, I use delay. Oh, he's yeah. like, and everyone, he's like, and I'm known for this big washy sound because mm-hmm. he did this this record, this John Mark McMillan record, and people say this is this is like the modern classic of of, of Sunday tone, you know? Yeah, it's a little more rocking than other stuff, but. He's like, I don't even use verb. I, I'm like a delay guy, you know. Yeah. It's so fun. But um, and he plays a little more mid rangey a little more rocking than yeah. than other people. See, I always tend to use more delay than reverb mm-hmm. anyway. But now yeah. with these new reverbs, I don't have to try to incorporate yeah. some of them, especially the ones with, like you're using with the octaves and stuff. Yeah, sounds awesome. Yeah, I was digging. Of course, some of that was the. I haven't checked it out yet, but yeah. It's good. Uh, you requested yeah. it. That's I did. I did. I said, I how do you get that? that? I said. That. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm hoping now. 
um, that the morphing is in there and correct on it because these yeah. this new beta took away some of the morphing on that reverb. I love morphing. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> That's the single greatest feature in terms of oh, it, it. just what it makes it do. Oh yeah. You have do you have your morphing set up now? You've told me that you are morphing the tube screamer sometimes. Yeah. Up and down. Yeah. Are you ever morphing just more and less delay and verb? Oh yeah. To get more and more what? Yeah, I like using it for effects typically instead of reaching up to that second row because if I'm singing or busy trying to mm-hmm. look down over the mic or whatever and hit that second row is sometimes yeah. trickier. So if I've got a tremolo coming in in the, in the second verse of a song, I'll put on the morph. Mm-hmm. And I love that you can change the ramp time per rig. Yeah. So it can kind of swell in and swell out of the, yeah, yeah. and I do the same thing with the rotary speaker and a couple songs and then uh, lead tones. If I've just got my basic crunch tone, mm-hmm. I'll almost always have morphing it to a, adding that tube screamer at 50 to 60%. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's just brilliant. And, it but is. I'll also, at the same time I do that, I'll turn the delay mix up and different stuff's changing. People go through so much and spend so much money to get that capability. <clears throat> On a rig, oh, with all these different pedals, and it's just built in, and it's easy, and you can assign different pedals to just do different stuff. Yeah, you can have one for wetness, one for dirt, one that just does this, one for wall, one for volume, and those things can change. Yep. For it's really, they really did get it right when they thought, "How's a guitar player going to use this?" That's the thing I never hear people complain about. That I never really hear people complain. There's stuff they can't do on their Kemper, like that's functional things a guitar would want to do. Right. I have heard people say. Yeah. What if I want nine reverbs? Right. Well, it's like, <laughs> we have an effects loop for that. Right, right. We have, yeah, we get another camper. Yeah. Um, favorite profile. We should wrap this up. It's getting pretty long. Um, favorite profile of all time. If you could only have one. Well, Not I, if you could have one, but just favorite profile. After that Christmas tour, I mean, that LDW clean sound is pretty yeah. amazing. Um my 72 Marshall, I've got a couple that I've done. I don't even know if they're actually the same ones that are in packs. Because mm-hmm. I always try to, since I own this one stable of amps that I can profile over and over and over, yeah. I do. I'll just think, I want to see if I can beat that one. And so anyway, I've got this 72 Marshall lead tone that I, I like. And then um, probably that LDW for the clean. Mm-hmm. Those are, even to this day, after all, well, in my third power clean, I've used that over and over. And the third power with the clone, I've probably got four or five that, are always in, like, you can't see one of our Lone Star shows without hearing those. Right, rigs. right, right. Somebody asked me this night, or somebody asked us, what's your favorite Lone Star song to play? <laughs> uh, that's tough. I mean, Amazed is always cool because it's such a big song. Yeah. But I love... It's such a big song. Huge. Yeah, it was a big one. Um, <laughs> it was more than big. That was a Titanic of a song. It was, actually. Yeah. We got lucky. And some of the guitar on that is actually a pod. Pod... Pod Farm, I think, even. Dan Huff added, like, a rhythm guitar, Pod Farm. That was me falling on the floor. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> um, the solo I know I did with a Fender Pro Sonic on that, and I can't remember what we did. Well, the clean chorus stuff was probably Dan. We would When Dan Huff was producing that record, uh, he and I would both pl- track. Mm-hmm. So we're both playing guitar on the track. Mm-hmm. And then I would come in and overdub solos, and then when he's mixing down, if he felt like it needed something else... He literally would go into Pod Farm on his computer and add just like a background layered part. Um, what does that say about the sort of stigma of oh, something yeah. and how it actually sounds? Oh, I know. I, it, 
you, people wouldn't know in a million years. Our last two records, I've used the Kemper completely. I mean, tracked with it, did overdubs. Yeah. And I think I compare. I can just listen to that compared to my old records. And I think the tones on this are better, and it's a Kemper. Yeah. So it's just there's no telling what when you hear a record, you're not hearing the amp anymore. You're hearing the EQ that's on the amp. And those engineers are yeah. so good. They mm-hmm. will find a sonic space for it. They mm-hmm. will double, triple track it, you know, when you're going down and just, it's crazy. Um, trying to re- trying to recreate a record is a unique thing. And I felt it's, I feel it's best not to even try because I've, I've known friends in cover bands that will try to copy every song tone-wise right. and it doesn't work. It's just right. too varied. Right, right. Uh, it's best just to get, and people have, ask me you know what do i they'll send me hey can you give me a tone for this song i was like get a slightly clean sound Mm -hmm. yeah and eq it to where you think it's close i mean at the end of the day most people aren't going to say that sounded just like you know van halen one they don't remember because van halen one is really it's a really crappy guitar tone yeah it's the fact that he played his butt off Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. made it classic yeah it's there's no low end had a buzz so bad that's why it's panned to one side they threw reverb on the other side um, it's just, they said they were fighting it because it was so noisy and it was just, it is good because it shows all of his tapping stuff. It's got so much high end and clarity. Yeah, you yeah. hear all yeah, the yeah. details, but as a tone, I would not want that tone. If right. I played through that, it would sound like a chainsaw. That's, it's, that's, that's Dimebag Daryl's thing. Oh yeah. It's, it's objectively bad tone. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Velcro, Yeah. but that's their sound. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it's it's like a, it almost yeah, it sounds almost like a white noise on a television. Yeah. If you could play your guitar. And then I hear certain records by, there's a guy named Jude Cole out of California, huge fan of his for years and years. He keeps putting out music. Guitar tones are stellar, better than anything I hear on the radio. Like nobody ever hears them. It's like, it's so subjective and it doesn't and it doesn't matter. (laughs) Now he's got nice stuff, but it's just like man, this the guitar tones are just awesome. I want my guitar to sound that good. Right, right, right. Um. But, you go profile his stuff. Yeah, I should. Yeah. <laughs> um, he didn't need me. Uh, <laughs> no, for you. you oh, yeah. The <laughs> I, I don't know that I could capture it, you know? Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. It's because I, I tend to take any amp that I'm profiling and I try to make it sound good to me, mm-hmm. which I'll EQ it to where I like it and blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. and it ends up sounding like me mm-hmm. at the end of the day anyway. That's why, mm-hmm. why the top Jimmy guy's better at the and send mix for the heavy stuff. I. I'll try to screw it up to make it sound like what I want it to sound like yeah. instead of just making it sound good for that yeah, style. Yeah, no, that's why people will, will uh, they'll comment on our stuff. And I think you have, uh, I saw in something you wrote where, where you, you summed up the signature warm sound or something you put. Oh, did I? I did you know. put that on something? Yeah, I don't know. But you know, that's what I hear people will say, yeah, I think your things are warmer. Mine yeah. are a little brighter, but I've had people criticize me and say, I don't feel like there's enough low mids in your profiles. And I go, they sound good to me. Well, yeah, they sound good to me. I'm like, well, uh, I, I can make I, them sound. I could, uh, I, in my head, it's like, if you want more low mids, have you tried the tweed Loman, the basement? You know right. what I mean? Like, I would go to an amp with more low mids, but we have different. We use different guitars. We mm-hmm. use different. We're listening different, and we want different things out of. And I think that's true of all sorts of players. That's why I've gone. I've tried to make all those videos, those tips and tricks videos, because when I walked into, I feel like I walked into the Kemper doors. I thought. My God, this unit is amazing. Oh my word, no one knows what they're doing with it. Right. And it was like, I, I couldn't believe how this sort of weird stigma of like, do, 
I will, it has to be exactly as the profiler delivered it to me. Or if it's yeah. not the true authentic two-tone, <laughs> I'm going to destroy it if I turn a knob. And it's like, I've never met, I've met so many, you're, I've met so many names in Nashville and talking to them about gear and stuff. And uh, I should have been doing it on a podcast. But um, we should have had a podcast but, that one <laughs> lunch with Sean and Chris. Yeah. And yeah. But you included, <clears throat> I never meet guys who are like, no, I got to do this so I can get that real yeah. tube tone. It's just not practical. Yeah. And it's just, you do what sounds good, you know, whatever that is. Well, and I'll always try to make it sound like me, whether it's good or not. Yeah. You know, it's just what I gravitate towards and I can't not. Right. Because I've just been training my ears and my ears change. Yeah. The first profiles are darker. Uh, I listen back now and I think, yeah, that treble. How hard is that? You turn the treble pleasant up. Yeah. Um, And it also depends on how much I've been on the road. If if we're on busy tour season, my ears are hammered. Um, Mm -hmm. Because like it or not, I mean, Mm -hmm. I'll turn it up too loud on my ear monitors and I've got tinnitus right now. I can hear it ringing. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's awful. It's just, I play with a really loud drummer, and he hits his cymbals really hard, and sometimes I'm really close to them. So, I mean, over the years, you got to start lost... playing with these, like that guy from Lincoln Park, oh, these no. big over-the-ear. <laughs> so I keep my left ear in to kind of block his cymbals, but okay, at the same it. time, and I try to really keep the, the volume lower, because if I put them both in, then it closes everything out. And exactly, I feel like yeah. I have to turn them up louder to get the energy. So I, I do what you're not supposed to do, which is only use one ear. That's what I do, too. And they, they <sighs> but they, do but I hear the room. I hear the people, you know, the crowd. I hear clarity of my vocal if I need it out of this ear. I hear clarity guitar, and I hear the warmth. And to me, it works. But if I'm not careful every now and then, I'll bump it up too loud. Yeah, because you guys aren't pulling any punches with the harmonies. No, it's a lot of singing. You're busy. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you've got to handle all that, which the Kemper... Yeah. Lets you change all those parameters it at does. once. It does. One button. You don't have to tap dance. Yeah. Could you, if you didn't use a Kemper, if you build a whole pedal board, could you do a Lone Star gig and tap dance all the things you would need to tap dance and sing the things? I could, and I've done it. Yeah. But okay, it okay, is okay, a right, pain right, in the butt. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of... And just stupid stuff you don't even think about. it Because once you've been on a Kemper for a while, you don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to a solo. Hit my gain pedal up to get you know, my solo tone. And go hit my delay pedal. It's like two things you'd have to sit there. Because I want a different delay or longer repeats or whatever mm-hmm. for a big ballad solo. Um, now I just hit one button and it changes all that. Mm-hmm. But instead mm-hmm. of hitting this and that, and then when you're done, back you know backwards, it's just a lot of extra work. And I'm all about making my life easy. Are all your morphs on the uh, on the expression pedal? None of them are. None I don't use the expression pedal You just use the... Just the, yeah. And that was another thing. When they made the remote, they had the two LEDs on there. It's like they knew they were coming out with that. You know, yeah. it wasn't even out at the time. Yes. It's just, it was overbuilt. Yeah. And it's brilliant. That's how I do it too. And I've been trying to work, I want to work in an expression pedal. Yeah. And what I want to do is take my my more delay and more reverby sounds and push that them would up be cool. even higher. Yeah. And then. And then that way I get all the in-between stuff. So I can right. have like a here's in the middle and then I could do... Because one of the things I miss, I used to do this with the Line 6 stuff, was, um, you know, put the runaway thing on the on the, um, on the the toe. Oh, yeah. And I used to do this thing where I would play quarter notes, but I would have the delay set to a quarter note delay. And if you play like sort of a descending line, you start getting both tones go over each other, you know? Right. It's like a, like a little mini doubled line kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you know it's it's not the most useful all the time, but 
<laughs> but it's a fun trick. And, exactly. it's very, and it's one of those tricks that when other guitar players come in, it's like, sounded great. It's like, check this out, right? Yeah. And it's, it's a cool thing. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's a bedroom thing. Well, this has gone. Um, this has gone the usual length of a podcast. So I think two hours. Yeah. Oh, I think um, <laughs> fastest two hours I've spent all That's day. That's funny. So, um, well, we both got uh, we both got loaded Kempers from British Audio. People should go yep. check those out. If you're in the market for a Kemper, you'd be a fool not to pick up absolutely Embrit loaded Kemper or the Tone Junkie loaded Kemper. Either one, you can't go wrong. You really can't. You really can't. And Sean's such a good, Shane's such a good guy. Sean, did I say yeah, Shane? I yeah, I don't know Sean. Such a good guy. <laughs> I know it's Shane. I don't know why I said Sean. <laughs> no, Shane, Shane is a great guy. And um, they've even got now, you're using the remote. Mm-hmm. Have you had any problem with the jack on the back of the remote with the Cat 5? No. Never. Never. Because, you know, people have problems where they can't get it to connect every now and then. And Shane has a really cool mod. Have you seen that mod he's no. doing? Okay, so, and, and you can do this mod, and because of this mod, um, because they're a licensed repair center, your Kemper's still under warranty. He removes that Cat5 jack, takes it out and moves it, and it's the same type of Cat5 with that XLR glove over it. That mm-hmm. you, I don't know what you call that thing. Yeah. It's the same thing that you have on the end of the remote. And then he sells you a heavy-duty, well, it comes with the mod. I think it's like 100 bucks for the mod. He mods the Kemper. And then he gives you a heavy-duty cable, and you can get it in, I think, any length. So you're, so it, you're not talking about on the remote. You're talking about on the Kemper itself. On the Kemper itself. So now, that I have had a problem with. Only because yes, the, little, the little tab breaks off. The little off. tab can break off. Because and that's, then, yeah, that's not really designed for road use. Right. But he has a mod where it's like the um, remote connection on both sides. Brilliant. So on the back of the Kemper, and your Kemper's still under warranty. Because they're a... Uh, I need to get that on my road one, because... Right now, there's literally a piece of gaff tape holding that cord in and because the tab's broken off. And I'm too lazy to swap the cable out. And I find those things to be very sensitive because even mine's, mine's not broken, but when it's plugged in, I will hold it in and it'll connect and then I can let it go. But if it kind of just unseats slightly, it won't right. connect right away. Yeah. You know, it takes a little I've bit of time. I've got like two or three backup cables, but the one that I'm using now is, I don't remember where I got it, mm-hmm. but it was not the stock cable. It's not stiff. Yeah. So it lays flat, easy to tape down and all that. So that's one reason I have it. Yeah, I want to go get it done on one of mine. And maybe do a little video of going over there and having yeah. it done. Because yeah. I think it's a cool... Yeah, that sounds good. It's a cool that. trick. Um, Does, it doesn't get in the way of the other jacks, the USB no, he, jack No, because he moves it. Okay. So he takes that lead and brings it up to like the top corner. Okay. So it's not crowded. That jack is still there, but not working. I gotcha. Um, yeah, it doesn't get in the way or anything. It looks cool. It's on his website. It's on the British I'll Audio website. Com. Um, shout out to them because, uh, well, they're a cool place that sells loaded Kempers with our stuff. Um, last thing I'll say, thank you for coming on, man. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Thanks we should do this me. again. We should. Uh, over what do you hot got? chicken. Over hot chicken. We can bring the hot chicken right in here. Um, <laughs> what um, What do you got coming out next? What are you working on? What's coming out from Embrit? That's a good question. I've done some acoustic stuff. I'm not sure if that's well, going to work. You just did your last two packs, similar name. What was the... Grab and Go and the Crank and Go. go. Crank and Go. Yeah. Crank and Go was the last one. Yeah. And it's more higher gain stuff. Yeah. Uh, Soldano SLO, uh, SLO 100. That was a good one. Well, you tease these guys a little. You were telling me an So the Crank and Go is good. Yeah. Uh, the Friedman BE50. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And the Soldano I really like. Yeah. Um, what was I telling you? And that's out and stuff. Well, you had a new amp that you were really digging. Um, I've got a Top Hat King Royal. It's the Pro Reverb. But yes, oh, oh yeah, 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 I, yeah, I yeah. forgot. You were telling me about the Top Hat. Yeah, too. I, I love the that. Top Hat. I'm yeah. going to somehow figure out how to get that out. I picked up a Carolan Trip R. Yeah. 
Uh, I haven't even started profiling it yet. I had a head cold over the Christmas holidays, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I do not trust my ears just yet. Yeah. They're still a little crackly. So I'm trying to let them heal before I start doing actual profiling. Sure. Um, and I've got a 67 Pro Reverb that's in the shop. Mm-hmm. It, I've tried profiling it, and it is not liking the profiling process. So I'm hoping right. it's just a bad filter cap or something. Right. But once that gets done, that's... Between that and the top app, man, it's almost, I hate to say it, it's almost making me want to bring real amps out again. And then I start thinking about all the headache it would be. And yeah. then I think, well, I'll just try to profile it. Right, right. Um, and then I'm trying to work on some, you've made some too, the HX Stomp. Uh, yeah, I just made stuff. one free sort of thing. Yeah, so I may try to do something yeah. for that. And they're not going to be. You know that you can I mean, take, I've already got some. Well, so you, I've copied and pasted stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say is, you know, you can just bring over your stuff and limit yeah, yeah. the amount of blocks you're yeah. using. Um, and I've done that. I just haven't, I never know like how many is enough to warrant paying for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also talked to line six about just giving them some to put in this, you know, to mm-hmm. put in there just because I'm just, I'm, if I'm using stock cabs and I'm not doing my own IRs, I feel like I'm just turning numbers and how much is that really worth? Mm-hmm. So I hear you. Um, but you have your IRs you can put in there. I do, and I'm constantly fighting. That it is a rabbit hole, you know. It, that's this what one I'm... sounds good on this hand, but mm-hmm. then it needs this, and then I try to find another one that has that. And it's just a. That is the great thing about the Kemper. It's one signal chain that yeah. you can sort of sign off on. Yep. I'm trying to start doing uh, IRs because that's been a request I've been getting a lot, mm-hmm. and so you can see my little mic shelf over there. Very nice. I've mic got shelf. little. Uh, I've got the C414 up there. I've got a, a pair, a couple pairs of fat heads. Nice. Uh, 121. I think there's a there's a 421 up there, yeah. and then the usual stuff. And then I, I haven't used these, but John Mayer uses them live. Yeah, I've so, seen that. But they're working. Um, thank you so much for coming on, uh, 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 Michael. And um, you have to you, come over to my pad and look at all my guitars. Next anytime. Time. You are the Coca Cola of the Kemper, sir. I don't know what that means. It means you're. It means you're. <laughs> New Coke or old Coke? Oh, Coke I, classic. Just a good Coke. Okay. You know what I mean? When I first started doing this, I was I was pl- I still have your stuff on my Kemper. I could literally show you that right now. That's, that's not that's not a bluff. That's fine. Um, your JRT uh, is still one of my favorite ones. Me and the Sues, we both funny. used that for a long time. I started making profiles. Started using some of the ones I was making. Um, but I still have your Silver Jubilee stuff on there. Oh wow. Um, I, I never st- could get into that amp. No, I have one. I'm about to profile. I saw that. It looks nice. Um, it's a great one. Um, it's an '87. Nice. And um, uh, no, but your Jubilee, your the red. You have a red, the red pedal running. I think into a Marshall. Yeah. On one probably. of those. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's so much great stuff. And um, for me, I knew early on. I thought, well, gosh, I, I'm hoping to be mentioned one day in the same breath as this uh, guy's stuff. That's yeah. the truth. That is the absolute truth. So thank you so much, and you've been. Uber I don't even cool. have my own merch. You're you... blowing me out of the water on the merch. <laughs> we can, I can, uh, I can. Don't worry. I know a hat guy. Um, no, but um, thanks so much, man. And you've you've always been super cool. Like when I got here, I think I reached out, and you were like, you know, hey, let's get together. You've introduced me to people. You've, you know, so appreciate you. You seem like a nice guy. Thanks. <laughs> I do. See, I seem like you should see me when the camera goes up. <laughs> No, you're you're a good dude. And so I like talking shop because I don't get to talk shop with many people. Agreed. That's why sometimes I just talk to myself. Yeah. 
Um, that's funny. So let's do this. You, when it, when when your next pack is coming out or whatever, okay. get on here and let's talk about it. Good. And uh, come on anytime. I'll buy the hot chicken. Sounds good. This has been uh, episode 39 of the uh, of the new Tone Junkie Podcast. Tone Junkie Podcast 2.0. 2.0. Here it is. There's a video edition. And uh, man, we got to get some cool sound effects. I think that's the next thing. Yeah, we need one of those little sampler pads. You just play all the different sound that effects. That'd be really good. Yeah. All right. HW and Brit out. <laughs>